Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pod Stallions. I am Brian, and with me to my left over there is Jason. How are you, sir? Very well, sir. How are you? How is everyone? Ah, very, very well, actually. Um, made a lot better recently by the reintroduction of our subject today to streaming services. Uh, I don't know if you got a visit from the streaming fairy, uh, but uh, I got oh. a lot of Doctor Who dropped in my lap this week. Okay, so I haven't checked yet. I only oh. saw I only saw the um, <clears throat> the trailer. I mean, I'm sorry, the Children in Need, mm. the newest trailer and the Children in Need special. Um, but maybe it's already dropped onto Disney Plus because no, uh, the uh, classic series is on Tubi. Okay, mm. so I've got the classic series on BritBox. They've got the okay, whole, well, the whole yeah, series. but on, it's also available for streaming on Tubi. Of course, gotcha. there's also a, a channel on. Uh, Pluto, and I think there's a channel on the Plex for Doctor Excellent. Who that streams. Excellent. And they, but they they also dropped the uh, I guess what you would call the New Who, um, the 2005 to present series on in Canada it was Amazon Prime. I oh, don't okay. Know. Yeah. So so here the um, uh, Eccleston to uh, Whitaker. Mm-hmm. It's up or was up as of a couple of weeks ago was up on Max, which used to be HBO Max, because, right. you know, nothing can keep a name too long so you can get used to it and know where you're looking for things. Um, no, I, I think in the streaming service business, you want to be as confusing and hard to find as possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you spend half your time thinking of a movie and going, huh, is Oliver Stone's Nixon available on any streaming server and then you got to look uh, it up we just did we just looked for scrooged tonight oh we, not, we tapped no one, out it, we, yeah. we don't have it anywhere yeah it's really getting uh i'm gonna swear i don't usually swear in the show but it's really getting fucking annoying trying to find anything these days well, especially like i um i currently pay for netflix um uh disney plus Mm. And I also have Amazon Prime because of a work relationship. And I won a free year of Paramount Plus, but I will not be giving them my credit card and information to renew oh. that. Um, so, like, that is four streaming services. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, I dropped I dropped Netflix because the ratio between what was watchable and what was good and what was being offered was just I went forget it I'm done and uh, I may go back to it someday maybe not um, so I've got Disney Plus and I've got Hulu and I've got HBO Max but I've got HBO through the cable system so it's like you got it anyway and uh, and Paramount Plus which I'm probably gonna drop um, because yeah I, I don't I don't, I don't see the appeal of that one at all so, um, but isn't okay so I just dropped on to Disney Plus and wasn't the whole idea that Doctor Who, new Doctor Who was going to be on Disney Plus. Wasn't that the big announcement? I thought so. Um, I have no idea. I don't have no idea how this is going to work at all. Um, Well, you know, you know what? As long as we're talking about this and starting the episode off this way, I will just say um, for the, the reason we're doing this episode is because it is the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, as everyone listening, I'm sure knows. Um, I'm kind of shocked by how little has been out and trickling out leading up to the anniversary. 
you know, there's a there's a new annual which I picked up because I got a bunch of annuals. And there's been like two trailers over the course of six or eight months, I think. Um, there were the Tales from the TARDIS shorts, which I didn't know if we were going to get or not. They were up on, um, what is it, BBC iPlayer or something like that, it's called. Mm-hmm. But they were only in the UK, but they ended up on, on YouTube. But, I mean, it's it's this week. And, like, I don't think we even have the titles of the three specials yet. And it's just, I'm just surprised how little fanfare there's been for this major, uh, major event. I don't see, I don't see billboards in the city. I thought there'd be billboards up saying who is coming to Disney plus or whatever. Um, granted, you know, things have been weird here regarding the strikes and stuff, but I would think as a British thing Mm. that it could, it could still push something. I just, it's just weird. Don't you think it's a little strange? Like we haven't got much, you know, like anniversary merchandise or whatever. It just seems like kind of, eh, it's another anniversary you know, big whoop. That's what yeah. I, I, it's funny how the anniversaries, especially because I, I don't think we'd have a show without Doctor Who. I don't know if you agree with that, but you know, it was very gateway for me, and and very much the reason I am who I am. Um, you I know, think it. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It is. You're right. That's that's well put because it is. Um, Let's just take something mainstream like Star Trek, as mainstream as that could be, or Mm. Star Wars or Planet of the Apes or, you know, Superman or whatever it was. All of it was sort of in the consciousness. Doctor Who was always a thing that was kind of in the brown paper bag or like under the pillow and you didn't show people kind of thing. So (laughs) as as that gateway to more of those things, like more of a cult world that you know, the, the this thing that was outside the mainstream, yes, Doctor Who is the gateway. You're absolutely right. It is the it is the thing that you go, oh, and what's that show? I've never heard of that thing. And becomes that secret handshake, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. You're yeah, right. it, it, led, me, it led me down so many paths into collecting and everything sure. fandom. And, you know, I learned what I did like. I, I learned what I didn't want to do. Um it's just very, very interesting um, journey. So that this show is is something when I think of all the anniversaries, I think of the hype. And um, <clears throat> I don't think anything like, like I think the 20th was massive. Huge. And then the 25th was a whimper. Yeah. Um, and, and then the next one that was of any importance was the 50th. Which. um you know, there was a lot of, of hubbub about, I mean, it, yeah. it became massive in, in the U S uh, uh, again, and um, you didn't have to search too hard to find it. And certainly at Comic-Con, which is the, you know, the, the, get the, you know, your finger on the pulse of things at Comic-Con, like every year it was just had a bigger and bigger and bigger presence. And that anniversary year was a big deal. We made a bunch of stuff for the anniversary and, you know, you read about yeah. it a lot. It just seems like this one is just kind of like. Well, I, I do kind of think the show is, uh, I, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be a reactionary YouTuber and, you know, R.I.P., you know, but um, I think it's I think it's seen better days. And I think it also has, you know, the audience has fatigued a bit as well. Uh, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I have. <clears throat> I think we can be clear here that I don't think anybody's going to misconstrue what we say. If we say anything critical 
of the yeah. show, whether it's, you know, the twin dilemma or if it's, you know, where the show went most recently <laughs> or whatever, Chibnall, it's OK. Like we're not we're not um, I think we, we you know, we're going to watch whatever they give us. I will stay with it until it's over. You know, I'm, I'm glad well, that it's still going. Man, but I mean, you I know just what? Wanna, you just you've like... stumbled on a really good point, And this is the emotional maturity I learned. Uh, around the Colin Baker era where I just wasn't on board. Right. Um, I just went, oh, well, you know what? I don't like this doctor. Well, I'll just wait until they replace him. And that honestly was my thought. Like, okay, uh, you know, it'll change. It, it'll go back. Or maybe I'll end up liking him, which actually I gave Trial of a Time Lord uh, a try as a kid. And I remember thinking, I like his, he's toned it down. Yeah. Um, you know, but, you know, I wasn't actually, I just never really was on board for the Colin Baker era. But I just remember thinking like, okay, but, you know, there'll be another guy, there'll be another take. And I think I'm actually a bit of a junkie for the takes, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at that point, I just, you know, I lost track of it for a number of reasons. It wasn't necessarily him, but I, I knew the show was not as good as it well, actually, even through Davis, yeah. I knew yeah. this is not the show, you know, but but I'm just saying that. So when we talk about the fatigue and where the show has kind of gone, I am going to be critical because I do think that some decisions have been mistakes. And I think there probably are going to be more. And then we'll see what the audience kind of does or how they respond. But I think I think it was a combination of fatigue and also just the sort of um, silliness that started to infect um, Jodie Whittaker's stuff. And I remember years ago, somebody asked Russell T. Davies, would he ever come back? And he said, well, if the, if the show was you know, on the verge of cancellation, I'll come back, you know, to help or something as a, as a joke. But I think there's, uh, there's much calculation involved <laughs> with him coming back to the show. Um, wanting it to immediately feel more comfortable and, and feel like it was and what everybody sort of fell in love with, with uh, the tenant stuff. So it's this match made in heaven again. But but yes, I think it has gone wrong. I think, you know, um, everything needs refreshing. Everything needs new takes. But if you start to go, you know, too far a certain way where it doesn't feel like what it was originally or has those elements, people are going to get more critical and they're going to you know, stay away. And I see a lot of like who fanatics on YouTube that are very critical of Chibnall. You know, they, they love this show so much. It, it, it hurts. And, um, there is, there does seem to be, um, a consensus that things have kind of gone wrong and hopefully they're getting, they're getting right. Yeah, for, for me, for me, um, the era, this is something that I just can't get out of me is, um, I felt like Chibnall was cribbing from Russell T Davies. Um, it, it, like it wasn't, it wasn't taking, it was like broad strokes and stories and elements and, you know, uh, let's blow up Gallifrey again. You know, it, the the whole thing just was sort of like, what I feel like we're taking a half a step back here. Well, I think it's, I, I think it's kind of in, um, in aid of or in what they what he thinks he's doing is the audience is going to sit back and go, oh, whoa, mind blown, you know, which 
um, you know, they pulled off with Tennant's fake out regeneration in the first part of that two parter. Everybody fell for that and thought, uh oh, what's going on? Brilliantly done. Um, they pulled Agreed. it. Yeah. You know, it was re- it really did go, whoa, what is where's that coming from? You know, yeah. um, the John Hurt, you know, um, um, the John Hurt character. I've always, like, I always viewed John Hurt as more of a, a means to an end, though. Possibly, but the idea that you're suddenly changing, you're changing the rules of how many hmm. life bands, and we'd always been told a certain thing. I mean, that's a radical thing to do, to go, there was somebody in between you know, and it was a, a, a brilliantly done. I mean, I just rewatched some of the regenerations and the the short that they did with uh, with Paul McGann. Um, I did love that. Yeah. So smart. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is something. And then, you know, the day of the dog, Tom Baker showing up But these things that, that for the most part, like I, I can get really hung up on Davros opening his eyes. I remember that with I'm like, gosh, Davros and. Peter Capaldi, this must be a dream for him. What a great thing. And then they, there's a scene where like he opens his eyes and you go, okay, I don't know. You know, it's one thing to make a joke about the handbrake always being on, on the TARDIS and that's why it wheezes. And it's another thing to, to, you know, you know, change something that's kind of etched in stone. So it's not always been smartly done, but I think what Chibnall tried to do was go, I'm going to crank it up to 11 and really blow people's minds. And then it became that whole thing about, Gallifrey and he, he was a little boy or then turned into a girl and then this and this and this and then you get this this other doctor and, and after, half the time I didn't even know what they were talking about with and that pissed a lot of people off that sort of redoing the history of the actual character from the from the yeah, start. Yeah I, I also I also like uh, when I remember when they introduced I think her name was Ruth the the alternative doctor. That sounds right. And, yeah. And you know what? I was on board. I was interested in that character, but then I, I always have this worry when I watch shows that have really good mystery buildup. Is this going to end up just being disappointing? Like, you know, we, we're we're at an age now where a lot of TV builds and builds and builds, and then you find out they don't know where they're going with it. Yes, bit. it's it's and, um, oh, there's a term for it. It's like it's like they know you're going to come back next week. Because they're yeah. left dangling, but then you get the sense, you know, halfway through it, where you're going, they don't really know where they're going with this. They're just getting me to come back and teasing me. Yeah, of, yeah, you know? it just keeps getting weirder and weirder, and you're like, yeah. mm-hmm. how are they gonna explain? And I'm one of those guys that, like, at an end of an action movie where the guy, you know, the cops come and the guy's covered in vampire blood, and there's 500 dead people in the street, and he just walks away. It's like. No, you, you would have to explain that shit. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, that that goes on in my head. Like, no, you're not just going to get out of this. Like, <laughs> well, the other the other thing that I think just became like, there's an episode with with um, the the new guy, the actor whose name I um, can't remember. But, you know, after Missy, um, uh, Michelle Gomez, who's wonderful. I, she's terrific in everything. Um, then it became this other master. And he just... You know, he practically chewed the wallpaper off the walls in every scene he was in. And there's one episode where he it's like 20 minutes of exposition of him just talking about then I did this and then I opened this door. But then I used this key and then it turned into this. And you know what I did? And everyone just kind of started to go, what are we watching? Like and again, you you 
you know when you're when you're watching something or a, a well-known character or a thing if it's not in the right hands if someone's kind of getting it wrong you can tell you can you know it's all, it's all watchable and you can you know your mileage varies i get that but if you know the thing you know like <clears throat> let's do a superman movie and not have him fly then you just go, okay, hold on a second. I'm not sure you understand uh, what the character is about. Yeah, so, well, that that's I, I wanted to just say it's to me the Chibnall stuff looked like you know remember when we used to trade tapes? Oh yeah. And you'd get you know the generations would get really bad. To me, it was starting to look like third generation Russell T Davies with a little bit of uh, JNT sprinkled in. Yeah, um, you're right. It actually, I thought yeah. at times it seemed like, and this is, this is, I'm not saying anything negative about the Sarah Jane Adventures, but the Sarah Jane Adventures mm. was made for a younger audience, and it just looked different. It didn't look as high end as sure, yeah, Doctor it was a cheaper Luke. show. It just kind of started to feel like that, like you're making a cheaper yeah. show. And well, I, di- I didn't really get that, but what did bother me was like things like that. Uh, the, I think that guy played Warris Hussein in the. Uh, the, the he did. Doctor yes, Who. it's the yeah. same guy, the guy who played. The yeah, master. yeah. And I, I really liked him in that. And he's great I was in like, everything. Yeah. Oh, he's the master. I can't wait. But unfortunately, and this is just a, a grievance of mine. Moffat Moffat didn't do this so, so much, but. Uh, you know, Roger Delgado was the original master. He was not crazy. He was, you know, a scheming Moriarty type. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Ainley kind of introduced that, hey, I'm crazy, because I think he was a bit of b- bigger ham than Delgado. Delgado. Well, it, it was, I think it was Panto. It was like John Nathan Turner yeah. was, became pantomime. Yeah. 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 But I mean, like Delgado kind of just had that about him. Yeah. And Ainley was more of a, you know. And yeah. I mean, I don't have a, I, I thought he was good casting then. I still do. And apparently he really made an incredible impression on the role because, you know, Russell T. Davies, when he brought back the master, he, he was like a hold my beer with John Sims master. I was really excited about John Sim being the master. Didn't really like it. Uh, well, it, I think it, yeah, I think it fell into yeah. the, uh, you know, like, a, I don't know, like I was talking to somebody recently about the Bond films or the Mission, I'm saying the Mission Impossible films, I think, are Bond films. They're better Bond films than most of what Daniel Craig was was given to, to do. Um, and so when you, like when uh, Javier Bardem, uh, Skyfall, I think it was, there's, you know, we've seen the villain done eight million different ways. It's been done. Everything has been done. And now you get a part like the master and it's the ringing your, you know, rubbing your hands. (laughs) You've got to find a different way to do it, to stand out. And everybody just, in fact, Michelle Gomez, I think, found a better way into it than John Sim did. And I freaking love John Sim. Yeah, I I love John Sim. I was disappointed in his master. I agree. uh, Yeah, Michelle Gomez was just. But again, I think that's also like one of those things where. a bit of your personality gets infused if you're playing the doctor. That those are the yeah. best doctors, you know. Yeah. Um, and I I feel the same way. Like you can't act your way through Doctor Who. There has to be like I think even Eric Sayward said that. Um, and 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 uh, she just naturally is an interesting person. Yeah. You know. 
fantastic face, her eyes, yeah, her, her yeah. delivery, and she just chose to, you know, and that's why that even the character of the doctor is a very delicate thing. If mm-hmm. you're, if you know what's come before you is eccentricity and um, you know know it allness and whatever, you have to put that in a blender to to make the character. But if you're if you're aping something too much or if you're you're being eccentric for a you know eccentricity case or sort of you know whatever it shows through where you just go this isn't you know and it's it's the it's the it's the acting it's the writing you know it's like bad writing if you've got a great actor you can get away with it because yeah i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna i i love peter capaldi but he has some stink burger stories. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. He's he's probably the most underserved of any of the doctors for his talent and how brilliant. He, but even in the stinkers, you can't take your eyes off. Him. Oh, no, there, there's he's always and he's, uh, what, what kills me. And um, I don't know if I've ever said this, but disappointing um, Doctor Who announcements like have you ever been disappointed in a, in a casting decision? Um, I can tell you one I got most excited about. Okay, which one's that? Bonnie Langford. <laughs> no, no, I didn't even know who she was. Um, have I been disappointed in a Doctor Who? You never- you hadn't seen Bugsy Malone? Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Um, I I would yes, and I hope this doesn't sound um churlish in any way. I think she 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 proved that she could do more than just comedy. But when Catherine Tate was mentioned as a companion, having seen the the Runaway Bride, I just kind of went, "Uh oh, we're going too far to Wacky Town." It's nothing <laughs> against her. I just kind of went, "This is going to be, oh, hello, Skitty Bain, what you doing?" It's going to be a lot of that, and that's what it was, you know. And she grew <laughs> as a <laughs> she grew as a character. But if you want to see, was, if you want to see, like amazing drama like no dry eye left in the house watch her season on the office oh you mean the the u.s office yeah i'm just being yeah she's pretty good on it I, I oh, okay just, i never i was gonna say i never saw it and there's a chance that she's wonderful in it she you know her show was kind of a a little britain type fad oh like, i know the show yeah, yeah but, it, what, but it, it, it never had it never had legs it's not the kind of show that years later people go Hey, remember the it was a, a moment of, you know, in the zeitgeist kind of. And it doesn't mean that like she, she was also thugging. she was in season two of Big Train. Now, season one of Big Train is one of the greatest sketch shows ever, ever done. Yeah. But she was in season two of that. So, like, she had been around and everything. But I just I had a feeling based on the Runaway Bride. And I didn't think the Runaway Bride was going to be that wacky. That you if know, she's I've coming never back, seen it all. Well, it's wacky. It's yeah. very wacky. So I was kind of worried. Yeah, that that would be. I could say that that made me nervous because it was okay. going so well. But yeah, what was Capaldi, your? Capaldi made me nervous. Oh, he did. Yeah, because I I didn't know who Malcolm was. Um, okay. But I had seen him in two things. Um, the main one being uh, the the very excellent and depressing Torchwood. What what I would say finale was like children. Oh yeah, that was actually yeah. the Torchwood I liked the most of any. Yeah, of yeah, and Capaldi's amazing in it. Yeah, but I just like, oh my god, I just hated him in that thing. Right. Um, and I, I can't remember the other thing I saw him in where I hated him, but I hated him in two things. Uh, <laughs> well, for me, it was like 
I knew him from Local Hero. Oh, wow. Bill Forsett film um, with Peter Riegert, Burt Lancaster, and Peter Riegert is a gets sent over by this oil tycoon to go check out this area in a tiny little area of Scotland. It's a wonderful Peter film. Peter Riegert, like, like from um, uh, Animal House? Yeah. Yeah, he's the lead. It's a it's a beautiful movie. It's uh, a, a qu- quietly kind of funny uh, c- comedy, very character driven. And um, uh, Dennis Lawson is in it as well. Wedge from Star Wars. Ewan McGregor's uncle's in it. Um, score by Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. Very quiet and lovely. But it's, it's a terrific film. And my father took me to it. I don't know how he ever found these movies, but he did. And I just loved it. And, and Capaldi is his contact in Scotland. So when Riegert gets to Scotland, yeah, he's this goofy, gawky. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen looking... a few scenes with him in it. And he, uh, there's a scene of him running or something. And it's yeah, like, he runs like a total spaz. Yeah, and, he's also and... he's also George Harrison. That's right. So the, the next thing I saw him in yeah. was that made-for-TV thing, and he played George Harrison, and I was like, "That's the guy from Local Hero." So he's—I've always kind of been aware of him in in stuff. Um, and then along came, you know, I mean, he was in um, the Lair of the White Worm, the the Ken Russell film. Oh my God! Um, so was Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant and Amanda Donahoe and uh, uh, Patsy Kensett, I think, might be. In. What is that about? I've never like it. It has a, a... well. There's this lair, see? Yeah, it's, it's like the, some evil worm or something. There's a giant white worm. In right. The, no, it's um, it's kind of Lovecraftian, but on a low budget. I thought it was and, written by, like, Bram Stoker or something. Yeah, 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 but it's got this weird sort of tradition to it, and this woman that is, um, you know, this like the spirit of the serpent kind of thing. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a wacky kind of. My parents used to have pirate satellite and I just remember clicking channels one night and she was in like a hot tub with a kid and then she's a monster and I I got nightmares and I didn't look back. She does look wonderful in the, in the film. I will say that, but it's not bad. But I, so I had seen him pop up and stuff. And then when the thick of it happened. Um, I think it I think it aired like a year later on BBC America when that was launched. And it was like, wow, here comes the thing that he was just kind of built for. And that became this huge thing. And he became so well known. And and then the the movie that was kind of the spinoff, he's the same character, but there's different characters in it. But they're the same actors um, in The Loop, which is a great film. Armando Iannucci uh, directed that. Um, so so when he was announced, actually, well, he was in that episode with Tennant. Um, the one yeah. in um, in uh, ancient Rome, and you know, but I mean that just he didn't get to really, you know, flex his muscles in that. But I never thought he was. Did you ever hear that story about him when he filmed that? No. This I think Mark Gatiss um, told this story. Maybe Gatiss might have been on set when they were doing some of the, some of those that I, I forget. But I think Gatiss told the story. Is he was. Um, he wandered over to the TARDIS control room set and he was just kind of taking it in uh, Capaldi. And he was just, wow. Cause he's such a fan and everything. And somebody said, um, maybe it was Gatiss. Somebody said, uh, huh? What do you think? I don't know. Maybe one day. What do you think? And Capaldi went, no, 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 no. That time, that time's passed kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like that's never going to happen. Uh, and then, you know, we got it. So I was thrilled about him. Uh, getting yeah, I, I was uneasy uh, and wrong. 
Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because you really, yeah. you really dig. You do you dig him? Of is Tenant your favorite of the new, or is is Capaldi? Um, I think it actually would go between Smith and Capaldi. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you because I yeah. think Smith is absolutely extraordinary at what he did yeah. for a guy that nobody knew who he was. I thought from the first episode he just he was almost fully formed. Yeah, know? I think of all that is probably the well there's several reasons why i like the smith era uh one i had two kids and they were both really interested in it i had a a daughter named amy um (laughs) perfect age for that sort of thing um but also yeah smith like at that time i think we had had those four tv movies and I, i liked the way you know, Russell T. Davies had been writing the characters as a little bit um, like I felt the 10th Doctor was going to some dark places. And in the same point, I was getting really sick of Russell T. Davies, easy buddying, like weird, easy button writing. He Yeah, he, yeah, he really can build you <clears throat> to the top. And then, you know, like one of the lowest points of New Who for me was the Magic Doctor. You know, um, uh, when the Master has him looking like a cartoon character. Oh, the little the little person. He becomes like a little. little Yeah, yeah, that whole thing. Um, Yeah, for me it was it it was that, and then the the All Star uh, one, the one where he almost comes, you know, regenerates, and then we come back. And everybody and their mother uh, is in it. And there's that scene where they're all in different areas and they're sort of looking at the monitor and they hear Davros's voice or something. And and then John Barrowman, who never met a scene he couldn't, uh, you know, uh, ingest uh, ingest with pantomime, uh, grabs the two. And he's like, no, no, what is it? It means we're going to die. And he like kisses them both on the forehead and hugs them like this. I mean, just soap opera type type acting and writing uh, in it which was a shame because you had sarah jane and you had uh, uh, rose came back and all that but it just started to get like very um cheesy i mean is the best word it became cheesy he kind of he kind of started to go there with his stuff i think um so you know i mean let's not forget when he brought it back in 2005 and you know all hail rtd for bringing it back you know, we're three stories in and there's aliens farting. You know, this show is so beloved. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, needs I, to, I, you know, needs to blow up from the moment it comes back really badly and be taken seriously. And we're doing fart jokes and parping uh, aliens, you know, it's, let's not it's forget. A, the Slovene. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they they, they they were not subtle. Um I couldn't believe it when I saw that episode. I was like, what? Didn't, didn't, really? didn't Dalek follow that, though? Uh, yes, which is a great... Yeah, and Dalek was like, oh, yeah, all right, that, 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 uh, I'll forgive the farting, you know? And the, uh, and the two, uh, the Stephen Moffat one, the two-parter with, uh, in World War II was... Oh, was, yeah, that was, that, oh, God, yeah, that was very, very good. Good and spooky. But, but yeah. wait, maybe we should, maybe we should go back a ways. I think we've, we've talked about this show probably more than any other show in the history of this podcast. 
or uh, in the history of this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe, I, maybe the, I think it would be like, you know, the Ropers would, you know, get a get us close to that. Yeah. Punky Brewster and <laughs> probably Doctor Who. But um, OK, so we I think we everybody knows that your exposure to Doctor Who was was earlier than mine because you had Pertwee over there in Canada. I, I sure did. Until around 78, I believe, when Baker stuff was shown, which I thought was on local, a local station, but it might have even been on my PBS station that I don't remember. But it was it was a daily um, it aired every day at a certain time after Battle of the Planets. And uh, and then the next thing I saw that had anything to do with it was that famous Monsters cover and um, oh, that's a brilliant cover eh? the fangoria cover i think it was the prophecy cover that has the poster inside um oh, but that was the, yeah. that was the best you could get at that point for information so we're watching it you know we're watching the show maybe a couple of years after like you were getting baker just like i was though right like like i was getting the 75 baker in 78 i think i i think we started getting like baker when i was like nine so yeah like okay 80. so probably around yeah. This, okay. yeah so we're so our time our time stream of how we're finding out about this show and where we're getting information i didn't discover the magazine until 82 i think when a, a friend of my cousin's said you know there's a magazine and I was 83 like, no way. for me yeah um, something like that and i found yeah. one place 82 83 yeah. and i would pick it up every month and then the mail order stuff kind of started after that yeah, so, the twentieth. The twentieth was the first time I ever like mailed away for something, and uh, I got the I ordered from uh, Steve Jeppy, and uh, I got the the Radio Times thing reprinted, and something else. And Steve Jeppy sent me a check for fifty cents. Oh yeah, that's right. See, my refund. my first, I think my first mail away that wasn't. Uh, a Star Wars figure, you know, taking the proofs of purchase and mailing away for a thing. I think my first mail away was the Doctor Who tin, the Tom Baker tin. Oh, yeah, I got one of those, too, in 84, I think. Yeah, and I think it was a U.S. company that had the tin and a button. That's that's it. They had, like, the tin and a button, and I don't know, I don't remember how I got found out what it was. But I ordered both, and uh, that was my first. I still have both of them. That was my first um, first item, uh, mail away item. So, you know, all the mail away stuff started in '83, '84, whatever it was, and I was mailing away to England, and that's how I was starting to get information, uh, the backstory of the show. But really, the thing that taught me more than anything about the show was the 20th anniversary book, uh, Doctor Who: A Celebration by Peter Haining. Oh, that, is that the one with the TARDIS and the balloons coming up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I memorized that book. Right? I mean, I remember reading one, you know, because he, he gives synopses of every story and then who the guest stars are. And I remember reading one, I, I forget, was it The Chase or something? Um, and then the last co-star was The Beatles. And, you know, my brain kind of went, wait, the, what? The Beatles were in doctor who like i've read all these beetle books what do you i didn't know this my god it's amazing two worlds colliding um only to eventually see it when it aired in the 80s when all the the 
you know, prior to Baker, all the other stuff hit America. They, they basically gave the package to, to America, you know, every single mm-hmm. story every week. And I saw that episode where they're, they're in it. You know, he's looking through the, the machine where you can just punch in any date and they'll show you, you know, Lincoln giving the Gettysburg address and then whatever. Well, it's not in the show anymore. Oh, no. They took it out. It's not in the show streaming and it's not in the show on the DVDs. They so that is missing from the story for whatever copyright reason or they wouldn't pay or something. I don't know. <laughs> you got to pay but us time, book, Lord. But that book. Yeah, that book was the I mean, isn't that wouldn't you say that that's where you really started to understand about what the show was? And Yeah, like my mom, history? I think, was in the book club. So she ordered it for me. Mm hmm. And then there was another Doctor Who book in that club. And I thought, oh, this is a companion piece. And all that was was reprints of the annuals. Um, oh, ranging. Yeah. yeah. It's got that weird cover that's like. Yeah, that should have been a that should have been a huge sign. Um, yeah, I remember that book. <laughs> it was awesome. But you got but you got a celebration in 83, right? Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. OK, so, yeah, so that's. It's the anniversary coming up, and I don't remember if it was printed in the U.S. I seem to recall that it was an import, and I had to go to this bookstore in that's still in uh, St. Paul called Midway Book, and um, they had like one copy, and it was like twenty dollars back then. Yeah, it was an expensive of, book. It's the most I ever spent on a, a book uh, at the to time. To this day. Yeah, but you know, it was it was a. Uh, it was a history lesson. I, I, I started to, you know. Oh, yeah, it, it it definitely filled the sponge that was my brain for facts I'll never need. Like, I still know to this day that Jean Marsh, former wife of John Pertwee, when she's in that uh, the Dalek master plan episode, she kept her sandwich in her uh, her kit on the show like she was wearing this weird outfit. Oh, I don't remember this at all. Oh, yeah, no, it was in that oh. book. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. That kind of freaky-deaky stuff haunts me to this day, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. I think it just the next time it comes up at a cocktail party, you're going to go, Someone mentioned, someone's going to mention Jean Marsh. You know, you know the funny thing about her? Oh, what? During the Dalek master plan. She kept a And that's when they cut you off. Like, I think Brian's that's had yeah, well, it wasn't my idea to invite Maybe him. it's time for you to go home. Um, yeah, it had a bunch of, bunch of you know, bits of information. And then the next thing that besides, so I'm getting the monthlies and I'm watching the show and, you know, the first season of, of Davison is, is running. And I think maybe the second season of Davison was running. I pick up the paperback of The Five Doctors, which I did not read until I saw the show. But oh no, over... you do it the other way. Oh. No, I did not read it. Um, but it's always I, better in your head. As you know, I was uh, a member in good standing of the North American Doctor Who Appreciation Society, or NADWAS. NADWAS kids thought you were so cool. Well, if you didn't want to, us yeah. Dwin kids were all right as well. So I was in NADWAS before I joined. The, the Doctor Who fan club of America, which was, they really kicked it up because that was a full color paper and they had. Stuff oh, yeah. The, the lenticular, um, lenticular the color changed photos. 
and they had a, a canine, like the, a stuffed canine that they made and sold, and a balsa wood TARDIS kit that I bought. Yeah, that thing was around. that thing was BS, dude. That around, I kept it walking was craft. past it, and I'm like, it was a box of sticks. <laughs> you know what they did? They they sold a box of sticks with <laughs> impossible instructions that had been like photostatted a million times. <laughs> And they knew nobody, everyone would just give up. Like, it looked I, so good in the photo, because the photo was painted and put together, and you go, God, look at that thing. It looks like dude. a miniature from the show. I got to get this thing. Yeah. And then it just sat there for forever. Um, but so I was in Nadwaz, and then a newsletter came through that had what they would do, you know, it was very little information in there, but they would photocopy articles that sort of hit the tabloids and things like that. And they'd include that in the newsletter. And there was the photo of uh, Davison, Pertwee, Troughton, and Baker's, um, and Herndall, uh, and then Baker's uh, uh, Madame Tussauds uh, statue. Yeah. For the photo oh, is that the one where they're like picking it up and throwing it around? <laughs> yeah. And I went, oh, I saw that. At the at the I was there at Madame Tussauds when that was on display. I, I went through the the Doctor Who portion there. I saw I know what that is. That's not Tom Baker. But in the photo it was such a bad photo that it was a moment where where Troughton is like his eyes are closed and he's like in the middle of saying something and his mouth is kind of turned downward. And it just looked awful. And I just saw that photo and went, oh, he's he's really old, like he's about to die. You know, like that's where my brain went. I saw the, the, the Haining book and I saw photos of him as a young man. And then I saw this photo and went, oh, they got they trotted these guys out and they're all like 80 years old kind of thing. Of course, that wasn't the case. It just was a bad photo. Um, and, and that's how I first saw a photo for and I knew that there was going to be a 20th anniversary thing, you know, which I think we got on the day. Yeah, I think that actually happened uh, in a, I think I had friends over for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the we UK got that. Got it like, the UK got it a day later or something. Is that how that went? I can't remember. Um, but I, I just remember that was like really, really rare because um, we didn't get a new Doctor Who like that. We were seasons behind. Um, you know, I think, I think at least a year if not more. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is we got the, we got, that was what was so weird about that is we got the special, but we still, I still had to wait to see the rest of that season. That still took like a year or whatever it was, you know, cause I'd always get, we'd always get the stuff like a year late. So I was reading about stories and things in the magazine nine, 10 months before we got the episodes kind of, but for some reason we got the 20th anniversary on the day. I don't know how that worked, but I think I think I think I think they just knew that hell would just have no fury like Doctor Who fans. Well, I think maybe that was the they maybe had to appease was, us. Well, maybe it was just this brilliant, uh, uh, you know, thing for for BBC was starting to go. Boy, there's 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 gold in those hills, you know. Um, the the U.S. is a uh, is an audience there, you know, an audience is building for this and uh, let's, let's give them some, some red meat <laughs> or something, you know, that's exactly what was said <laughs> because it did. That was a time. I don't know about Canada, but that time. And unfortunately it was right when there was the changeover Davison and Baker. 
where you know you know my whole life i'd never been to a convention like i, I went, finally went to one in philadelphia yeah. 85 or something i think maybe but like there were there were a lot of conventions happening in the u.s suddenly like doctor who was really really after having been around for several years four or five years it really started to take off right around the 20th anniversary and uh you know there's that great didn't we talk about that youtube we found it was like was it chicago that did like an hour-long special or something about the anniversary yeah i actually remember that one There were a couple of them. Some of them weren't that great, but um, I was in for all of them. Like, you know, there just wasn't enough exploration of stuff back then. Yeah, they're like talking to people at conventions, and there's there's that guy dressed like Hartnell going, "Hello," you know, I'll punch that guy. He's already, he's already. Well, I've always had a, and this came right back from Doctor Who conventions. I have no problem with cosplay. I cringe at some of the people doing the act though like that that bugs me uh and it's a personal thing i think yeah cosplay all you want but don't try an accent pal if you don't know what you're doing oh and um (laughs) if you're cosplaying as deadpool it's hard to be that witty you know uh (laughs) right best not to even engage yeah yeah Be, be a nice mute deadpool yeah, best not to even engage with with the Deadpool's. So anyway, so so that is our background with this, and I think you kind of walked away or sort of drifted at a time around the same time I did. Yeah. Um, then we got word that it was it was gone. The magazine kept going. I hey, never yeah. Got do it. you remember when you read it was canceled? Like what your mentality on it was? Do you know what's funny? You know what I I don't remember where I would have found out. Or how I would have would have heard. I just kind of went, you know, I saw some of the McCoy stuff here and there. I liked it, but I moved so much at that time. I couldn't catch up with it. Yeah. um, I don't remember how I found out that it was that it was finally canceled. Um, I can tell you the next time I picked up the magazine was the comic relief. They had Rowan Atkinson. Oh, yeah. Julia. Sohala, I think that's how you say your name, from uh, AbFab, mm-hmm. uh, on the cover. And because I was such a, a Rowan Atkins, you know, a Blackadder fan, I went, oh, what's this? And that was the first issue I had bought since 84 or something, I think, maybe 83, 84 or something, maybe 85. Um, and then the next issue I bought was had Paul McGann on, on, the, on the cover because I was getting excited about this. Yeah, I would I would um when I when I heard it was canceled, I can remember thinking, well, it had a really good run. Um and it yeah. was embattled at that time. Yeah. Um and also, you know, you're like you know, I think it got canceled when I was like eighteen. So you're so narcissistic at that time that like well, I'm not <laughs> watching it, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like but did you, I mean, do you remember when, you know, the magazine was sort of saying, hey, you know, Michael Grade has taken it off the air. You could, oh, really, yeah. oh, you yeah. could really help and the cause. And then we got that, we got that uh, dog's breakfast of a song. How dare you? Hey, my first con, which was like called Who Con, I don't know, in 1985. Um, I still have footage from it. 
and photos and such. And I still talk to one of the guys I went to it with. Um, that song played like a million times in the dealer's room. The the amazing dealer's room that would be like, I would want my money back if I went into that now. Do you know what? I remember in the magazine or somewhere that was, hey, you know, if you want to help the show, write a letter to Michael Grade mm. and say you want the show back and, uh, you know, send away for this single because that'll help. And I did both. And there was a time where you, there were these things that were like international, international um, letters. It was just one sheet and you wrote your letter out and then it folded it up with an adhesive on either side and the top. And you, you could send, you could mail away a letter for um, one rate instead of having to put two or three stamps on it kind of thing. So I had a bunch of these. That's how I used to write to my pen pal who finally figured out I was a child and uh, changed his name and disappeared, left the country. The reverse catfish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I wrote a letter to Michael Grade. And I like to think that that letter is what got the show back on the air probably is so you know, he read your letter he read my letter and went you know what 20 I'm yeah get- oh oh i see so the trial of time were okay yeah yeah so i wrote a letter and i got that uh that fucking single which is probably distress oh and, i don't want to get distress. let's keep in mind this is a time when after band-aid and after um uh, uh, we are the world, which is a horrible record, but Band Aid's a great record. Everybody. Oh, but did you know tears are not enough? Everybody was making a charity record. Everybody uh-huh. was doing. It was the thing, you know. And so there was a lot of shit that got made. Even so, they're still doing the worst, this crap. By the this way, this is the worst thing that was ever made. As Something that was riffing off of Band-Aid and We Are the World. This has to go down as the worst um, all-star record. I'm about to make incredible controversial remarks. Colin Baker, not a singer. Colin Baker, Anthony Ainley, Nicola Bryant, and I think the next biggest name was like the guy that sang with Buck Spizz. (laughs) That was on the... That was on the single. I think. <laughs> it's almost like an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia plot. Like, <laughs> who got? They tried Bono. They tried Sting. <laughs> yeah, they called Simon LeBon. Everybody was busy. Oddly enough, like, they probably could have called Peter Capaldi. We got the guy. From, got the guy from Buck's Fizz. What was it? It was Ian Levine put that together, right? Like super fan. Super fan Ian Levine put that together. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is horrific. It is one of the worst things ever is, made. Is he still around? Is he still with us? Or is I he... think he is. Yeah, I think oh, so. Okay. He did a lot of good, you know. Yeah, most definitely. Um, but yeah, he... so that, so it's gone. So it's out of our lives. So where were you when you heard about the Canadian-made, BBC-sanctioned Paul McGann TV movie? You know, um, there was a lot of, I remember that Doctor Who, the ball was just kept in the air with 
you'd hear about a movie a movie a movie spielberg's got yeah. it yeah oh yeah 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 and uh i even read a book about all those scripts and boy i'm glad none of that came to be um because it's just all terrible and then i i don't remember when that doctor who uh when it, when it maybe it was a week or two before that I, I found out about it or i saw a photo of him i can't remember but I do remember being really like I taped it. I was really excited. I was living in uh, High Park in Toronto at the time, <clears throat> and um, I can honestly remember we used to go down to the dog park and play with the dogs because mm-hmm. we didn't have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is a cheap way to play with dogs. And uh, I was like, oh my god, we got to get back for Doctor Who. Uh, it's weird how much I enjoyed that TV movie now. And how, you know, you're, it's almost like uh, when I saw Black Adam, I said something to somebody like, I would have liked this in the 90s. Um, but now it's it's bland. Uh, that's the way you I know, kind of felt about that TV movie now. At the time, I thought it was a, a really fun and it, it carried on the tradition of the show. And I was excited about it, especially because of the casting of McGann. Um, oh yeah, that's that's what got me right away. But but again, you know, this is so I'm I'm still getting Star Wars. So I'm, after I'm done with <clears throat> Doctor Who, watching it, whatever, I'm still picking up Star Log. Right. Oh yeah, to, me too. Intermittently you know, like the, now. The early I, I was. So I'm I getting was, a lot of my Doctor Who information from Star Log, and maybe that's how I found it. I got canceled or whatever. But you know, uh, in in Star Log is where you'd get the rumors page and all these things, and there there were these stories. That were like, you know, Universal has has bought the rights to, you know, Doctor Who, and like Eric Idle's name got mentioned uh, at some point, I think, and there were all these sort of rumors, you know, floating around. So when I found that this TV movie was happening, and I, I got the issue of Doctor Who uh, monthly, the night that I watched it, I actually watched it with uh, a then friend who was a guy who was a set designer on uh, Deep Space Nine. We went over to his place and. Uh, had some drinks and some food and you know we might have done some other stuff i can't i can't confirm or deny that but but anyway we were both he was at he was at he's actually british and uh yes we had sex and he's he's british and so he's a he was a big fan of doctor who but like lost track of it many many years ago but we i was really expecting a train wreck i really was thinking there's no way Oh, really? Right. Well, because I knew how delicate this character was. I knew that it was like, okay, you know what they're going to do? They're going to Americanize it and they're going to make it this like turn it into an episode of Simon and Simon or something. This is not going to be very good. (laughs) But I talk shit about Simon and Simon. I tuned in because of being a fan of Doctor Who, but mainly for Paul McGann. Um, because I was a big fan of his and with Null and I is one of my favorite movies. And <laughs> so let's, let's, uh, let's do it. And as we watched it at, by the first commercial break, we both kind of looked at each other and said, this ain't bad. You know, this, yeah. this isn't right. And, and then and you know what? I, I honestly think that's why it failed because it was too interested in keeping our attention. But it, well, you're probably you're probably right. And there's actually a great documentary on the DVD of the TV movie that's like a 90 minute documentary about the history of how long it took to finally someone to say, OK, go, let's do it. All the rumors and so on and so forth. 
And one of the things that I forget who it was, but he it was the thing that was, this became kind of his baby. This this guy who who wanted the to Philip make. guy. <clears throat> yes, him. He insisted. Sylvester McCoy has got to be in this thing. And, you know, I again, kudos to him. Yeah, I feel it. like that it's, was a uh, that was amazing. It probably um, and, and, and I, I was very grateful for it, but it probably sunk the whole thing. Right. Because you spent the first 30 minutes um, with another character that barely spoke. And then you're int- you're introducing the, you're introducing new people to too much. But you're you're kind of giving a reward to the people that have been waiting for this this thing, I guess. And yeah, it probably it probably hurt it. But um, it's great that we've got it. And, um, you know, it, it somebody should have, you know, at least greenlit another TV movie or something. It, it did all right. It, did, it wasn't like a disaster. Um, and <clears throat> there's good stuff in it. But hands down, the best thing in it is Paul McGann. I mean, he's. I thought he he fit like a glove, you know. He really he did. Um, Eric Roberts was uh, an interesting choice. How dare you! <laughs> I was at a comic con once, and he was there, and he was with his wife, and his wife was signing, and I think his wife just played his wife in the Doctor Who movie. Like oh. that—that's oh, the really? big—that's her big credit, and. It's because I think he met her on that set. I think and it's like, I think she's his manager too. Yeah, and it's like, how many <clears throat> autographs is she gonna sign? <laughs> you know that he? I think he has like 450 credits on IMDb. Yeah. He's he's that guy. I actually really like Eric Roberts. Like, don't I get me too. wrong. I, I, I always like the Coca Cola Kid. Like that was a really. Yeah. I don't know when he made the switch to like I'm gonna be the new Cameron Mitchell. But it well, it was he you subtle. know he did Pope of Greenwich Village, which he's incredible in. That's a wonderful movie. Him and Mickey Rourke and Daryl Hannah. He did Star Eighty, which he's fantastic in. I think he was nominated for Star Eighty for supporting actor, maybe. Uh, Runaway Train. I mean, he was in these big things. I don't know when the turn was. I know that he kind of started to play more heavies than 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 leads, sort of. Um, but something happened where suddenly it was, you know, the direct to DVD kind of market. And, you know, he's one of those guys that like works for a day and they throw Yeah, him and then he ends up in like the dark night. And then, and then he ends up in the dark night. Yeah. And, yeah you're yeah. like, okay, I get this. And then it's like, then he's a talking cat. And I'm not making that up. Um, like, you what, know. What, well, what was the talking cat? Now I need it's, to see It's that. not a talking cat. <laughs> It is a talking cat. Have you not heard of this? No. Oh, yeah. He has done movies. I think he's done David Dakota movies, okay? Like, where I'm pretty sure one of them just says Eric Roberts and it's him on the phone. Like, he is on the phone. What? What? And he sounds like he's about, you know, half a bottle of wine in on the phone well, see, um, i thought that was part of it too and this is we'll talk about this more in our eric roberts episode which we'll do in a couple you of mean weeks. our ongoing eric roberts <clears throat> right after he sues us 12 part uh, podcast the life and times of eric roberts but i think he sort of got into some bad uh bad juju or something he sort of you know the lifestyle got the better of him and things and whatever. And I think he's, he's sober and everything. And the wife kind of 
put him back together and she's the manager now. And I, I don't know. I'd heard some some things like that. So that that might have been some of how the. But, you know, you're right. He shows up in in the dark night and he and he showed up in um, uh, a movie that I, I, I like. It's very cult, but it's uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson movie um, Inherent Vice. With no, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's kind of like his homage to um, to uh, Robert Altman's Marlowe, the movie with uh, with um, Elliot Gould. It's kind of like this uh, early '70s LA detective thing, and um, but he shows up in that, and he's great. You know, he'll kind of like Nicolas Cage, where every now and then Cage does something <laughs> where you it go, makes you realize, oh yeah, he he got here for a reason. Yeah, you, and you you see something like Pig, that movie Pig that Nicolas Cage, he's fantastic in it. But then you turn around and watch him in some movie about a post-apocalyptic world where he gets like his one of his testicles blown off by an explosive and he's got to get through a... I don't know if you're making zombies. this up or not, but I wouldn't bet that that probably happened. Um, it happened. It's a real it's a real movie. So, so I, I liked the one where he has to fight the demons that are inside Chuck E. Cheese mannequins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. And he never says a single word. Doesn't say a word. And exactly. he kind of you know, builds it into the character where you kind of think the character might be like um, mildly autistic because he takes a break at the same time every hour. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, mm-hmm. they it was actually kind of like, oh, maybe he, he meant, maybe that's a little stagecraft. I don't know. And then it'll come. Then something will come around like that, that one with um, Pedro Pascal, which I thought was great, and the one uh, yeah, Pig, and then the Color of Night, and Mandy, and Wicker and, Man, Wicker Man. So that was that's Eric Roberts. So that was a weird choice to have him in the thing. And um, uh, but anyway, but I but I thought you know I I did kind of hold out hope that. You know, why couldn't Fox um, have it right after X-Files or something? You know, maybe they could. Uh... Well, it wasn't. It also <clears throat> was in cartoon development hell here in Toronto for a while. Yeah. Tell um, us the story. How did that happen again? Or when that when was that? Well, it, the way I found out about it was kind of funny. I was at a toy show or I was at a Star Trek convention. This is about 1990, 91. I used to set up and sell bootleg VHSs of, you know, the Star Wars holiday special and. And things like that. And a guy came up to me and he started talking to me. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm working on Doctor Who right now. And I go, oh, what, what in what capacity? He's like, oh, I can't say. I can't mm. say. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. And then like <clears> we kept talking. Kept him talking. And I was like, hey, where do you work? <laughs> and he's like, Nelvana. And I'm like, oh, so we're working on Doctor Cartoon. And he was kind of like, oh, my God. You know. You make an announcement. Uh, yeah, I just said it really loudly, but it got out and it never went anywhere. But I think about, oh, gosh, my friend Tony, who's in the Pod Stallions group, he had an amazing comic book store in uh, the Junction in Toronto around the time I lived in High Park, around the time that the Doctor Who movie um, aired. And he, I guess, like Nelvana employees used to just drop off and trade original cells and I went through. I went in there one day, and there was just a pile of like Eek the Cat, which I think I grabbed a couple. Mm. And um, the bottom was this Doctor Who thing. I think I paid twenty five dollars for it. And he was sort of like he had round glasses. I still have it. It's it's on my stairs. Yeah, he has. He's a big question. He looks like Egon from the Ghostbusters cartoon. Yeah. And uh, he's got a big question marky um, uh, trench coat and the. 
it's very it's very morbius or mobius you know uh, yeah mobius mobius yeah. yes um i get i get them all mixed up you know vampires mobius are. is the artist morbius is the vampire the greatest freaking movie i've yeah. almost seen i mean not as good as catwoman but right oh, but what right is there yeah um and it has bat smith in it so that makes it relevant to doctor who right the nelvana animated thing yeah was after the the tv movie or before after the tv, the TV series got canceled okay. there was lots of talk between bbc and nelvana to produce a, you know a co-production animated series very interesting designs some good, some bad. Seemed to, like it got retooled a whole bunch. There's some great articles out there about it. Yeah, I think I think there's actually a YouTube video too that somebody talks about. Yeah, and I, and, and uh, you know it's funny. I put that on just to go. How long before I see the cell that's on my wall? Because in the 90s, I shared it really liberally with people. You know, if anyone asked, because like when I started getting back into Doctor Who in the late 90s was also the time when the internet. Because I think I got back into it when I actually I got back into it around late 98 when I was getting married. I remember I was getting because there was so that VHS revolution and yeah. and I just, you know, I've always loved Doctor Who, um, but nostalgia kicked in and disposable income. And, you know, my wife and I would go down to the world's biggest bookstore, which was uh, downtown Toronto, uh, at least once a week. Back then, you could do that. You know, where we lived in the suburbs, but we could be in downtown Toronto in 20 minutes back in the 90s. Mm. You know, now that would be, uh, you know, the, the what is that? Uh, the Voyage of the Contiki. Right. <laughs> the Ton Death March. My dearest Michelle. But, it, but it, you know, it's uh, thank you for bringing that up because, you know, we both collected. I'm guessing we don't need to go into detail, but, you know, I sold everything. I had a... The collection I had before I, I left the Twin Cities, you know, I had all the Target books, I had all the magazines, I had all the, the Pinnacle books, I had, you know, all the Weedabix cards, Pristine, you know, both all three sets of those. I had a ton of stuff and I sold everything for the most part. Um, and, you know, once we got to, um, once it started to, the rumors got stronger in the mid 2000s about the show coming back. Um, you know, I had like product enterprise had started to make things and I was, uh, over just before it was like a year before the show came out, I was over in England working on a show and I went to the who, the who shop, I think it was called or the who store, or the who shop, which is about 30 minutes, uh, outside of, of London uh, on the tube. And I got this, um, I still have it, but it was a sonic screwdriver but basically they, they took a, you know, somebody made like a metal prop replica, unpainted of it. And it was one of the things I bought with a few other other items. But it was just it just felt cool to like be in a shop that had Doctor Who stuff in it because it did make me very nostalgic. And I thought, oh, well, it's finally come. Back. And as we've said many times, and I stand by it, I think it's the greatest concept in the history of television. And um, only next to Twilight Zone for me, because. Both shows can go anywhere because it's not just a time travel show because you can, you know, you can go anywhere in time and space. Nothing is off limits, really, you know, where you could take it on any given story. And it really 
So it's always funny when we when we see all the the articles and we 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 see the documentary about the the TV movie finally happening, other things. How many people want to come in and change the basics of it? How many other people go? Well, you know, you really don't need the TARDIS, so let's do it this way. And you go, you've just you've lost the the plot of why this thing is so unique and 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 what it is. And so when Russell T Davis got a hold of it, and which I was. I had only kind of known who he was because I'd heard about Queer as Folk, but I didn't really see anything else that he'd, that he'd done. Um, we all just kind of hoped that this guy knew what he was doing. And, you know, Eccleston was a, was a step in the right direction, I would think. So what did you think when, when Eccleston was cast, when that announcement was made? Actually, yeah, I don't. Um, at that time, I was expecting my second kid. Um so and the world just seemed less connected that way so you know like i would literally go home and check the internet like you know for a few hours a day um i remember seeing a picture of eccleston and rose tyler and the tardis and and my wife grew up on doctor who as well her father loved doctor who Mm. so we're both fans of the concept and the show i'm the bigger fan but uh, you know, I remember like showing her, I was like, this is the new Doctor Who. And she was like, oh, that looks cool. And I was like, yeah. And yeah, we were both both fans. I. But like, had you had you heard of him before or seen him in things or. Well, I knew he was he was in 28 days later. Yeah. <clears throat> which I didn't remember. And no, I really wasn't. Uh, and same with Tennant and of course with Matt Smith. Uh, the first doctor I was actually aware of was probably Capaldi and Whitaker because I had actually really liked her in Broadchurch. Uh, yeah, she was in a, she was in Attack the Block too. Yeah, yeah, uh, I didn't like Attack the Block. Yeah, I didn't love it either, but I remember. No, she, I really, really didn't like it. The, uh, a I movie just, with Peter O'Toole, I think it was called Venus, where he got nominated as a at the, toward the end of his career. So I'd seen her in things, but Eccleston I knew from uh shallow grave right uh, first danny boyle movie and i knew him from uh uh cracker the robbie coltrane show that i'd seen on pbs a, a few times you know so i'd seen him in you know a handful like uh, uh another movie called let him have it um uh, uh period piece kind of crime thing he was in elizabeth uh was great in that um so i i was i was familiar with him and um I thought it was kind of an, an interesting choice. Like I kind of thought, oh, well, he's, you know, he's a very well-known actor over there and he's um, sort of known for more serious fare uh, type projects and stuff. So I thought, oh, that, that's a good sign. Like that's, they're not getting, you know, you know, Ronnie Corbett, no offense to Ronnie Corbett, but they, they, they were taking it. How dare you, sir. They were taking it seriously. They weren't, they weren't going for, you know, a wacky. Well, Doctor Who has <clears throat> always been that wonderful slide between comedy and villainy. Um, you know, some of the like the first Doctor Hartnell was known for playing the villain, the right. asshole. Um, I don't think Patrick. Oh, Pat, Patrick Troughton was like grave robbers and Hammer movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know about John Perry. He was mainly a comedian, but he was mainly uh, comedic and radio stuff. And yeah. And then yet he did a, he did a completely non comedic turn with Dr. Who. 
Right. And he, you know, he lived out his James Bond fantasies. And Tom Baker, I mean, Tom Baker is an A1 villain, man. Um, you know, you look at him in the Golden Voyage of Sinbad or uh, the, the I think it's Vault of Horror he's in. Uh, and, of course, the the mutations, the, the Donald. Uh, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance bit of like, but it just looks like I mean? it was what filmed I mean? in depression, you know? Yeah, what I mean is like. You, we, I wasn't sure what type of Doctor Who we were going to get when it came back. Were we going to get the Colin Baker sort of, you know, wackiness and twin dilemma? Are they going to take it seriously? Like, you just never knew because if it was in the wrong hands, it something, you know, could go wrong. And that's what made me nervous about the TV movie. But it was well-intentioned and nothing was too too cringy or anything. Um, so, you know what I mean? It just It just seemed like... And then a name like Eccleston for a show like that was just kind of different for the time. There, that wasn't that caliber wasn't doing that kind of genre stuff so much. And now, it was a, but have we ever gotten to the point of like what his deal was, why he left? I think so. I mean, um, he said a lot of vague things over the years, and then he would sort of press a little further on it at a couple of conventions. And while he didn't name names, um, he's a very um, principled guy, like to the point of probably self-sabotage where he, um, you know, everybody's equal as far as he's concerned on a set. There is no, there is no, um, you know, uh, uh, pettiness and hierarchy and everything. And he'd said many times about the way you talk to people. And he had seen people in charge be very rude and condescending toward other people on the crew. And it, it sort of became a, a pattern that he'd seen. And he didn't like it. And I could only think that it started or came from Russell T. Davis because they had worked together before. You know, he'd worked on um, a show called The Second Coming, where he is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's, uh, you know, in modern, modern day, a modern day kind of story. It's very good. It doesn't totally work, but it's a great concept. And it was a Russell T. Davis thing. So, you know, he had approached Davis. And he's like, hey, if you're, you know, since you're doing this, I'd love to get a meeting. Like, I'd love, how about me you know, come in and do it? And apparently he'd already been kind of thinking about him. So they had a history and uh, it must have fallen apart fairly quickly because we knew, you know, I think one story in. They waited until the the story premiered, the Rose thing premiered, and then the announcement yeah. made. Like, that has never happened. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of anything. Where Yeah, hey, I hope you enjoy this show. By the way, this guy's dead. Uh, well, you know, somebody dying, yeah, we've had plenty of that where the thing comes out and it's like, well, I wish he could be here, but he's dead. But to be like, it's back, it's so back, I can't believe, wait, what? He quit? It's the show just aired. What are you talking about? That was very strange, and everybody. You know, that's happened a few times, though. There's like, uh, I think, uh, most famously, like Robert Blake just stopped wanting to be Beretta, um, and left that show while it was still highly rated. Um, yeah, that, there's that, some rumors that David Carradine left Kung Fu, but right. You, but I'm saying that, show that um, new the new a new Star Trek Star Trek comes back after however long, and it's like. Yeah, premiere, ratings, people are excited. And then the next day, the lead says, I'm leaving the show at the end of the season. Like, Yeah, that, yeah, I'm that, done. 
it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And um, but they had to start building momentum for tenants. They had to get people excited about the show, knowing this guy's leaving already. And everybody started to panic, like, well, is that, you know, maybe it's maybe it's no good. You know, maybe that's the problem. So they they by getting tenant announced so quickly, it was like, don't worry, everything's fine. You're going to love the show still. But don't don't fall in love with the <laughs> the guy that's playing him right now because he's already gone. So it must have happened fairly early on in the filming of it that something went down and uh, Eccleston was like, F this noise, F you guys. It had to be pretty bad, whatever it was. I don't think it was to him personally, but he saw behavior that he didn't like and that didn't get curtailed in some way. And that turned him off, I guess. But um, I've always wondered about that. Yeah, there's never been like, this is the day it happened and this is what was said. And he's always been kind of vague about it. He did finally come back to the character. Uh, yeah. Big finish audios, which he, you know, somebody interviewed him for those. I saw that on YouTube or something. And they're like, so why now? He's like, well, I need to work. I've got a family and, you know, we've had a pandemic. So it seemed like a good idea. Like he wasn't going there. You know, he wasn't going to. Because he was asked to come back for the anniversary and it famously said, you know, never bathe in the same river twice. Like, I'm never coming back to that part kind of thing, uh, which is a shame because it would have been great if he would have done the the 50th. I, think I was actually was, you know what? I think that was one of the reasons I like I watched like I hated Thor, too, a lot. But I was also like, so this is OK, but you won't return to Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, and he got he got so many so many more genre things. I mean, he got onto uh, uh, Heroes, which at the time was one of the biggest shows in the U.S. Yeah, he was the Invisible and, Man. Yeah, he was there, and he was in um, the G.I. Joe movie, and so he started. Oh, yeah, he, started getting, he really could pick them. <laughs> but I mean, he started. He, you know, th- those things, those offers weren't coming before because he was always doing smaller, you know, art housey kind of kind of things. So you know the character launched him into that kind of world and he sort of you know <clears throat> took advantage i mean he's still he's in the new season of um what's the thing i just saw a trailer for um uh true detective with jody foster he's in oh, that really? yeah so he keeps you know he's never stopped working but um but i you know i immediately took to him in the new show i like we talked about i i would get the region 2 dvds that had like three episodes of dvd um, and so I was getting it cause they would release those immediately. And so I'd order them and, and get it. And yeah. I was getting it off CBC cause we were okay. airing them consecutively because it was a co-production the first season. And, uh, I was having to send burners to all my friends. Of course. Yeah. And, um, you know, when it was good, I thought it was good when it was very good. You know, I liked, I liked the ghost one. I liked the, the world war two one, but there was still a lot of like, you know, fatty, fatty, fart, fart stuff in it that um, <clears throat> I thought was just like, come on. You yeah, know? but he, he, he liked to intersperse it with chubsy, ubsy, wubsy. So, yeah, you know, like we waited so long for this. Do you is this really what you want to spend time on with the and, you know, and I, and I will say that that it it it, it is guilty, I think, uh, of spending too much time on the companions. Like too much time on the, you know, East Enders type, 
yeah, I'll be right back, mom. Just going for fish and chips. And then she's gone for two years and everybody's sad and everything. And that, that you know, I, I, but we hadn't really seen that before. Exactly. We didn't we don't need it. It's not the, the companions <laughs> are not the most interesting things in the show. It's the stories and it's him. He's he's more. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't Well, I do. I do agree. If the you wanted to like, most... hey, at home with Harry Sullivan. You know, let's, let's do. <laughs> I, I really don't need to see a man clipping coupons. Let's spend a full episode with with Harry Sullivan before the doctor shows up and we find out. Oh, bother. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, there's. Oh, no, that, with... that's exactly why I don't even really like watch much superhero stuff anymore, because it's always like. You know, Captain America's friend and that guy who met Hawkeye once, you know, like I can't I can't, I can't do that. I'm sorry. That's just not interesting to me. You know, like I, I think everyone in Gotham City, but Batman and the Joker. Nope. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's different. It's 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 that to me. And I'm not excusing any of it, but that to me is like you go, OK. We don't have the budget for a lot of superhero stuff, but if we just concentrate on this office worker for two episodes, we can get away with it. <laughs> Doctor Who is not about the companions. And I know that they've been better served over the years than they, you know, because everybody would make fun and like, you know, that's why Mary Tam left. It was like, all I'm doing is asking questions. And there's not, yes, they, the, the characters needed to evolve over the years. So they weren't just the audience substitute. But Davis just made it, the Rose Tyler show and the mom and the boyfriend and, you know, it, it and it just kept going. Um, yeah. He was and, doing but, the Buffy formula. A and then bit. by the time you get to Donna, we get the same thing. Like, I mean, you, you can't, you can't fault her grandfather. I mean, it's a great character. Alf is a great character played by a legend. I get it. I just don't know if we need him in every episode. And I don't know if we need the mother who's horrible and the arguing and the thing you just you just start to go this isn't what makes doctor who great this isn't what makes it great it's it's the stories and the character and that was one of the reasons i had a problem with some of chibnall stuff is he was like well i want three other people in the tardis and they all have a family you know and it's like, yeah it, well that was well, like now there's like 40 people in here yeah that that became you know 14 different accents going on in the tardis and then you just go wait isn't there a isn't there a Time Lord in the show somewhere? Are we ever going to see that person again? And even with Matt Smith, like him, his his arc with Amy Pond, I mean, especially that first season is just fantastic. And oh, I love how that. They, yeah. the little girl and how they meet and everything. And then Rory comes in and we get more of Rory. And then eventually we get Rory's dad and then we get the domestic stuff between her and Rory. And then we get, well, I don't want to travel anymore. Well, let's go one more place. And it, it, you know, if I'm, if I could fault it over the years with the bringing it back, it, it, you know, I started watching some of the Capaldi's again because I love him so much. And, you know, when, when those are good, they're really good. Oh, you know, what prompted this was apparently every five years or so, Doctor Who magazine does a, readers poll he sent me that yeah stories of all time and, and i disagreed with a couple of those but i mean remember remember when it, i remember the issue maybe it was the 30th anniversary or something where it was like <gasps> shock horror the favorite episode favorite story of all time is the caves of androzani like remember when it was that and people started going yeah that was a really good story and then it, you know as i was watching that today 
you know what I mean? Like it sort of would change over the years as to what was in the time. Yeah, Caves of Androzani was like the too little, too late Peter Davison story. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so then you know after you know you'd see these polls and the the top five or ten fairly similar titles would would be in them. Mm-hmm. And now this newest poll, the uh, what's it called? Heaven Sent? Is that the the Capaldi one I'm thinking of? Um, where he's he's uh, I think it's the one where he's alone. In oh, that, that one's brilliant. And that's that is the number one story in the poll. And like number two is you know Genesis of the Daleks again, you know kind of thing. Yeah, uh, and, and I want to I just want to point out that like I don't like Genesis of the Daleks. Well, <laughs> that's okay. You're wrong because everybody else loves it, and you know. Am I, I wrong? Am I really wrong? You're not wrong. It's just that you don't have to like it, but you have to admit it is. It is a as that show goes, it was doing something bold and kind yeah, of it, it, uh, well, yeah. Except that it also like started the danger trend of retconning the show while the show's running, and I, I realized that continuity crushes things. Like you know, no matter how beautifully built your submarine is, you know, the further go you go down in your submarine computer concept, it'll become a pop can by you know by the end yeah because, but, but, but them doing uh, that in 75 when did 75 they well they could get away with it because there were no well there right. were nerds but there weren't as nerds with vcrs i guess but i'm saying it didn't it didn't start a trend like name well, it, it didn't it didn't it didn't they were also trying to delete the original episodes at that time. right but i'm saying that that happening in 75 and going back to the birth of the of the creature and this this character that no one we'd never seen before and this division that was making things and so on. I'm saying it's not like they they had it. You know, they kept doing that as the years went on and said, this is where the Ice Warriors came from. And here's the thing where they they didn't really do it. So, you know, it it is a story that that has a lot of uh, 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 love from a lot of people. And it's you know, the, I think it's the best looking Dalek the original show ever had that. Now, I, I, I will say um that season is one of the most perfect Doctor Who seasons oh, ever. Hands down, that is that's that's when the show is like on firing on all cylinders. I think the the original the original show. Um, so anyway, so that's where that's where this sort of we thought, well, let's do an anniversary uh, thing, and um, so so I started watching some more of his, and you know he's got this great thing going with Clara Oswald, and there's they're such a team, and then. I need a break. I'm going to go back to being a teacher and like, okay, well, I'll just hang out. I'll be the janitor and whatever. And then, Oh, oh don't now we got to talk one. to the soldier guy. That's also a teacher in the school. And then they're going to start dating. And like, I don't give a shit. Okay. I, I will. I will admit that. Yeah. I didn't care for the boyfriend at all. Oh, brutal. Oh no. Why would I care about this guy? I don't care about her. I just want her hanging out with the doctor and, you know, I know the show, they took the show in, into areas that it never did before, like, you know, r- more romance and, um, you know, the, the companions having more of a more of an outspoken crush on him and so on. And that's totally fine. And the thing with him and Rose was great. But all this domestic stuff back home with the companions and their and then it just goes off the rails when the Cyberman thing happened or he gets hit by a car. And even though that stuff in that episode is brilliant, where she thinks she's throwing the keys into a, a volcano and Capaldi, he's, he is just he is almost like the height of his powers in those scenes. What what he what he's doing. 
um, it just becomes like, God, this is a drag. It's so fucking sad. I mean, yeah. everybody's sad. The Rose Tyler thing in another time zone was heartbreaking and sad. And, you know, Martha wasn't really sad, but in a way she was because <laughs> she was in love with him or whatever it was, and he didn't give her the time of day, so she leaves. And then, you know, um, uh, Donna Noble has to get her mind wiped, and that's sad. And then, you know, Clara Oswald, and that's sad. Like, what the, f do we really need this? Does it need to be a sad show and heartbreaking all the time? No, just give me dumb stuff about Robin Hood. You know, ro the robots of Sherwood was <laughs> like, let's have some fun. You know, let's do some interesting concepts. Not everything has to be sad. And I think it is guilty of going too far with the, the melodrama since it's come back. <laughs> That's just me. <clears throat> and then, you know, we get to Whitaker and everyone's got trauma. Once again, the older guys got trauma and, you know, somebody died. Somebody else is an orphan. Somebody else has a heart murmur or something. And, you know, I, it's just it's too much. That whole thing I felt was kind of crazy the way it's almost like they they threw everybody out. You know, you you if you had experience writing for Doctor Who, we don't want you. Um, we're going to get a new set decorator. We're going to get new music. We're going to get. And it's like, that's too much for me. I thought it was just too much change at once. And You're it talking was about change the, for change the Whitaker? You mean the yeah, Whitaker? the Whitaker yeah. series. Like, yeah, I understood. Like, you have a new, you have a new doctor. You want a new look. But it was especially I found the music really difficult yes, yes um, it, it didn't seem to gel with the show almost you know there'd be characters talking and there'd be this going over them and it was like that doesn't seem like that's that i find annoying um that's <clears throat> just yeah you know <clears throat> it, I'll, I'll tell you along those lines i'll tell you what always kind of astounded me so the show comes back you know we get uh eccleston <clears throat> I, I never liked the new logo, that very first logo. And oh, yeah, the, like, like that, that. Yeah, we were just joking about that the other day. It looks like a, a, a London taxi. It looks like the sign that's on top of a London taxi. Um, then when you get to, to tenants, uh, things improve slightly. And I love the logo with, uh, with Matt Smith and, and so on and so on. The, the mm -hmm. opening credits get more interesting. But um, the, the TARDIS interiors, like I think... I never fell in love with the more organic look. Of, no, I never quite understood where that even know, came from. I was okay with it, but I never, I never really fell in love with it until Peter Capaldi again, like the the stainless steel and the the way things, those circles kind of rotated above on the ceiling, and it just seemed more grand and more more gothic almost <laughs> in a way. But then we get to Whitaker, and I just go, who went to the crystal shop? and bought a bunch of candles and crystals and shit. Oh, yeah, it wasn't... Uh... Like, the the worst TARDIS interior design ever, and topped only by her sonic screwdriver, which is, yeah, in the history of the sonic screwdriver, like, the worst design you could ever come up with. It's got, like... Yeah, it was, it was underwhelming. I remember that. And then, <clears throat> you know, they it felt very much like a throwback to John Nathan Turner. You know, you've got this full TARDIS. The yes. doctor is a little bit of a background character in this. 
Yep, it did. You're right. Fumbling their way through everything, which is very odd. I don't know why you'd choose to make the first female doctor so vulnerable. You know, when the character is about intelligence over, over, you know, just sheer force. So, like, this should have been a... um, a doctor more, I think, on the lines of like McCoy, but with their own, you know, I I had a like I know that nobody asked me, but I would have actually had a, 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 a not a master, but like a renegade, like Time Lord, who's like the Doctor, but wants to is a little more violent about it. And Which one? Was, sorry, what was this from? I apologize. I, I was just thinking when when they first announced female doctor and, and the whole oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, they should give that doctor a nemesis who is you know physically overpowering on her and uh, just wants to tell her she's doing a, a crap job. You know, do the kind of daredevil Punisher thing with them, and then just have that doctor win out over that person that was that was my thought on it was you know that or even be... or, or i even thought make make her um a, a little darker as well not as dark yeah. as, and sort of um non-huggable as capaldi was because he hated hugging and everything but but make the make the female doctor more um i don't know not more badass but just more mysterious more yeah. sort of you know, eccentric or something. Instead, it she did feel like at times she walked out of a John Nathan Turner season because yeah. even the outfit was very like. Panto. Yeah, people feel. Yeah, it was as uh, it was a uniform. Yeah, and it, was, and yeah. it uh, I, like I, <clears throat> you know, I was all on board, <clears throat> but the show kind of just drew me away, and I'm not mad at it, you know. Um, like it, 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 it'll get better. You know what I mean? Or it'll, it'll change at the very least. Yeah, so, and, you know, but I would stick my head in a few times and the big thing they were like, Oh, we've added a new character. Yeah. That, that guy was like Kenny from South park. Awesome. <laughs> you know, but let me be, let me, let's be even more clear. I really think if the writing had been on par with what Moffat, even Moffat at his weakest, I think the writing is what suffered. Yeah, I, 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 um, think it's because... I, I fully agree. And I, I think the first misstep I found in the first season was the most interesting character was a companion. And he got the hero's journey that season. And that was the fella whose you know, wife was killed by the villain. I can't. Yeah. Take it off. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I was like, oh, that was actually really well written. But that. What's the doctor doing? Oh, just running around in the background. You yeah, know. I mean, I think that uh, I think that that the writing, the writing is really what kind of kind of crippled it, and not um, not her necessarily. Nah. Uh, but but having said that, I stand by that. I, I think there were some that kind of. Um, I don't think Doctor Who has like a toxic fan base the way, you know, the 
It's called it's the MCU now because there's so many women in it. You know, I think guys. everything has that, but it's just a matter of the numbers. Um, but it's just not it's just not really the way of Doctor Who because Doctor Who isn't kind of known as more of a a boys brand kind of thing the way Star Wars and Marvel and so well, on. Well, it cer- it certainly has uh, more female fans than ever. Yes, but my argument has always been I don't think they're clamoring for a female doctor. And I think it it didn't quite work the way they thought it was going to work. And that's what made him so different and attractive was that he wasn't the guy with the six pack that was punching people in the face and using laser guns and stuff. He was this intellectual kind of sex symbol, I think. And but, you know, I do kind of think that he is a unique male role model in the fact that he's using his brain He's using his heart. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And that's what even Peter Davison said that. Yeah, yeah and I, I know that got blown out of proportion. Yeah, he wasn't know. saying anything negative about no, her. No, he was just saying, you know, there, there, there's a there's shortage a of, of males role yes. models that don't solve everything with their fists. Yes, and that's and what... I, I lament the loss of one of them, yes. which is an intelligent and good point. Um and sad. It's it's. I think if anything, if you take anything away from that, it's like, yeah, there should be more doctors. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that's another thing that's interesting because we we have to we have to get to the root of a few things before we wrap this up. But, um, you know, it is something that has stood the test of time. I think it's more popular than than ever, um, as a concept, as a thing, as a history, as how many doctors there have been and people wanting to, I see it on Twitter all the time. Like, okay, if I was to get started on the classic show, where would I start? Da, 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 da. And now that it's going to have a bigger platform than ever before, you know, on Disney plus, like never in my wildest dreams, would I think this thing would come back and be as big as it was and now come back on, you know, this thing that we used to have to hunt for and, and set the VCR for, you know, and, Sometimes not go out on a Friday night to stay at home and watch the on the buses with your mother. Oh, you know, um, is now is now so big. But really. There's nothing else like it. And what I mean is there are things that have come around. I mean, that that return in 2005 gave suddenly you've got primeval and you've got being human and you've got all these other genre type shows that started to happen because Doctor Who was such a success and it mm-hmm. did it did kick a lot of that stuff off. It was it was after Buffy, but it was pre-Buffy at the same time, you know. Um but there's really never been anything that I don't think I've ever found anything that I go, "Oh, that's totally Doctor Who." Like, you know, I didn't watch Voyagers with John Eric Hexham and go, "Oh, it, they're ripping up Doctor Who." You know, it it nothing has really been able to to um riff on it maybe it's vibe or it's strangeness or something but it is such a unique thing yeah it, it's its own thing tried. and and i think one of the things that helps it is you can change stuff keep going you know oh um, it's, the, it's it's all about change the only thing more brilliant than the original concept and where the show could go is the tardis as a concept, mm-hmm. somebody sitting around going, make it look like this, but it's infinite on the ends. I mean, that's mind blowing. You could have dozens of writers in a room that could never come up with that. And the only thing more brilliant than that is saying, 
instead of faking the audience out and getting somebody to play the same character in a wig or, you know, get a new character in and say, the doctor died, but this is another doctor whose name is also who, the regeneration thing. I mean, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, that was that was really um, uh, some some next level thinking. There. It truly is, because we prior to that, we had stuff in the, you know, in the 30s and 40s, characters that came back played by by different people. And I think it, it happened sometimes comedically and stuff. But that was it never happened like that. I mean, the Bond thing didn't happen for another few years where the character goes away. Somebody else comes in. It's still the same character. We don't really talk about the timeline. <laughs> you just kind of go, oh, yeah, it's James Bond. It's just a different. I think I think uh, what's his name? I think I think what's his name addressed it, though. Um, the Australian. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, George Lazenby. George Lazenby. Thank you. I think he addresses it in the credits. Even he makes a he makes a, a, a sort of a joke like this never happened to the other fella. So it's yeah. But that's as close as it got. And they never. It just became a thing where okay, well, who's playing the next Batman and who's whatever. But to have the same character become a completely different character, but mm. still the same character. I mean, that is like that is Hall of Fame as a as a as a concept as a television idea, and that's what's made it endure but we just have never had anything close to it so let's do a lightning round okay favorite doctor of all time oh um damn um was my first and oh gosh um you know what i'm 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 getting older Uh, i'm gonna say tom baker yeah Tom Baker, hands down. He's to me, he's the freaking Don. Doesn't get any better. He's just, yeah, he's he's just you know, as you get older, you watch these things, and you're not watching them for the effects. You're yes. you're watching them for the you know the the performances because oftentimes you're like, how are these people keeping a straight face right now? Right. But um, you know, the, Baker makes it interesting. Yeah, I I I put him. I put him at the top. He's the he's the king. And then I think I'd put uh, uh, Capaldi in there, Smith, Pertwee in my my sort of top. Yeah, Capaldi, Smith, Pertwee. Um, favorite uh, favorite classic story or stories? Any ones that come to mind? Yeah. Um, uh, um, if if I had to go by Doctor, I would say um, one of my favorite first Doctor stories is Keys of Marinus. Just okay. because I like the concept. I like that whole, you know, we're on a quest. Um, second Doctor, you know, probably like the Tomb of the Cybermen. It's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, third Doctor, any of the Peladons. Because they blew my mind Ooh. as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it was like this whole, like, oh, we're on another planet, but that planet has, like, swords, but there are spaceships, you know. It's kind of getting into this sort of John Carter territory. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tom Baker, Ark in Space. Um, I really, uh, Peter Davison. Uh, Warriors <laughs> yeah. of the Deep. <laughs> you have no idea how much Warriors of the Deep was like a big deal to me. Um, Black Orchid. Because I really, really liked the Silurians and the Sea Devils, and I, I got the book, and I read the book, and I, actually on paper it sounded great. Yes, that, that I and, did. That, 
and then yes. it comes out and you've got Ingrid and I just watched this like last week and I I have it on Blu-ray somewhere or DVD somewhere just so I could have Peter Davidson commenting on it because like you know I was just excited to hear what he has to say and yeah he did not disappoint but Ingrid Pitt you know kung fuing that ridiculous school play monster <laughs> that they have the Merca is, is, with the like the paint rubs off on her outfit when she kicks it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, um, I think when you watch that and you're still coming back for more, it tells you that the concept is greater than sometimes the product, you know? Like well, I think because a... we got used to that. I mean, yeah. I remember, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, you know, I remember, like, like the Stones of Blood. Again, on paper, terrifying. Not not a bad concept it's really spooky and weird and stonehenge and everything in execution you're like they're pulling styrofoam rocks, rocks around yeah, yeah, this, on this is... wheels now mind but you this... i mean doctor who did this on a micro budget you can watch like especially me i have watched a million films where you know these people spent like a million bucks and then they're like oh yeah no one's afraid of bunnies you know like <laughs> No, but that's the thing. That's the that's the thing. We we've always made fun and rightly so of the micro budget and you know the styrofoam sets and the wet paint and the funny masks and everything. But on the budget they had, there was no other show like it in that it didn't take place on one spaceship or in one house, you know, upstairs downstairs kind of thing. They were coming up with stuff every couple of weeks, top to bottom with that little budget they had and they had yeah. to come up with costumes and other planets and other models and everything for what they had to work with. It is an extraordinary achievement that they were able to change it every, you know, even shows now are so hyper aware of the budget where they're like, well, let's, we're spending so much on every planet. Let's, let's do two episodes in the season where we're just in the, you know, on the, on the bridge of the ship or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Money. And Dr. Who was, was coming up with planets, you know, every, every story, you know, I mean, the, I'm sure that the earthbound stuff saved it money over those years, but when your budget is 17 pounds, 50 pence for each season, um, I don't know how they did it. I look at some of it and just think, I do not know how they did this, how they, and, and everybody for the most part, as in a lot of that stuff, they're acting their heads off. I mean, these people are, you know, they're taking it as seriously as any any piece of work that they. It's it's so it's so interesting because the really bad actors are few and far between. But I think everybody everybody will pick up on like the horns of Naimon. Oh, you yes. know that guy. That guy is like he, he was almost on... uh, he was off he was almost the doctor. I think he was considered. That's uh, insane. That guy before... is like. I know. Yeah. yeah, he was considered. I think at one point. Um, okay, so Davison, favorite story? Oh, I, I said Warriors of the Deep. Oh, it is Warriors of the Deep. Oh, sorry. Okay. I like the story. I didn't like the execution. But that is the thing. That is true, though, is I would go to that same bookstore and get the Target paperback before yeah. I ever saw the show. And so there were a lot of Davison shows that I read before I finally saw which is a which was a weird phenomenon to to have that much prior uh, prior knowledge. Favorite um, favorite uh, Colin Baker uh, story? No. All of them. 
All of them, yeah. Uh, Sylvester uh, McCoy. Uh, Curse of Fenric is one of my favorites. Uh, I also uh, like Remembrance of the Daleks. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, Eccleston. Um... Fanny oh, Dalek, Dalek, Fanny Fart Fart Fart. Part two. Uh, Tenants? Yeah, school Reunion. Yeah, God, man. Oh, man, I forgot about that one. Holy cow. Yeah. That... Who Mama? That hits. Yeah. Oh, Every yeah. time I've seen it, that hits me right in the chest. Bam. Yeah. Um, uh, Smith, it would be uh, Good Man Goes to War. Yeah. Um, I just really like that one. Um, Capaldi, wow. Um, boy, I really like that season with Bill. And yeah. I would have to yeah. say Capaldi's finale is pretty damn good. Yeah. And um, I don't have a favorite Jody Whitaker. Um, I haven't seen them all. I've tried. Yeah, I've um, actually seen them all. Some right? of the early ones were not terrible. In fact, I think the ghost ship reminded me a lot of keys of marinus and um i kind of liked that one um but yeah i didn't i just i I, it wasn't like i i kind of wandered off you know yeah Um, i sort um, of i let them pile up and yeah okay i'm gonna attack these and watch them over a weekend or something and so I, I wasn't as as up on it as i was on on other seasons so i would say hartnell Boy, I didn't mm-hmm. expect, even think of these as I asked the question, but Hartnell, um, the gunfighters. The gunfighters. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, gosh, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I find him very difficult to watch. Yeah, I, I gotta his, say, I wonder if I was introduced to that show if, at that time, if I would be a fan. That's another. That's another. Holy shit! Moment for the show is you go. This, he's the most unlikable character on television like every you could say doctor what times oh please yeah, boy. <laughs> kind of, it easy like you know story after story after story no matter what the other characters are bringing to it by saying maybe it's too dangerous oh of course it's not dangerous and then maybe it's not dangerous of course it's dangerous he contradicts everything they ask and say and he's just kind of kind of you know angry or 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 you know fumbling and everything so he's he's hard to watch but it's remarkable that it did as well as it did with uh you know angry grandpa in the in the in the role uh, <laughs> well i can't even think of a but 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 i love love patrick Troughton. i just love his yeah, story. i think I he uh i think he was really uh the, the he embraced it more in in not embraced it more that's the wrong thing to say um he got he was, it. It was. I think it was a better rounded character when he mm-hmm. took. He found nuance. It was he could be deadly serious. He could be caring. He could be childlike, and and you know a little bit of a buffoon. The the the. the I mean, the bouncing off of you know Jamie McCrimmon as a character was was brilliant to have them as a as a double act. But I think as as much as it owes to to Hartnell. In the early days and the show working, he was part of that, a big part of that. If it hadn't worked with the with the the handover with Troughton taking over, then it would have been doomed. But it was successful with him in the in the lead. I think the ratings went down a bit from from, uh, you know, the previous years or something. But 
but it worked. He kept it going and, and it led to, you know, bigger success. But for him, I'd, I'd probably pick um, uh, Tomb of the Cybermen or um, Fury from the Deep, which is a really creepy, creepy, creepy show. Like a um, monsters one. I can't remember that one. Yeah, where the where the guys like open their mouths and go, and then like the gas comes out and knocks people out, kind of thing. Yeah, they were always trying to. It seemed like I was just watching Galaxy Four on Tubi, and it's like, boy, they really wanted more Daleks. Like <laughs> every time that oh, I yeah. watch a Hartnell, it's like, now the Booga Boogas will help you, and it's some stupid robot. <laughs> And then the 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 mechanoids were the were the most you know they were hoping that was going to be another Dalek, but they made them the size of the Epcot Center. Those those yeah. Centers. What the Dude. hell was that? It's, it's and a stick came out the front, and then the you know sparkler came out one side. It was like, how are you going to get? How many of those can you get in a room? You know? Um, yeah, that, that was the like they learned nothing from why the Daleks were popular and the quarks. And there was a story with, with uh, Troughton that with the quarks that were these little, oh, yeah, their little, their little arms came out. Yeah. yeah little spiky heads. Well, but I was watching Troughton, galaxy four and they've got the chumleys who the look chumleys. like air conditioner units. Yeah. The chumleys. Yeah. Those were silly. And that's a name. That's a good name. You know, uh, uh, Pertwee. I think I would go with, um, I really like the one, um, with uh, the time travel, with o- the Ogrons and the Daleks, and their their Day of the Daleks is the I think the first Doctor Who I ever watched in my life, and I like, uh, I like that one. And you know what I like even more, and this is weird, but there's a remastered version of it where they've added new effects. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm hit or miss with those. Like sometimes I'm like, ah, who cares? But that one, it's like, yeah, that. That episode had some budgetary issues, and even though it got the story across, like, you know, the post-apocalypse looks an awful lot like in a, a parking garage in London, you know? Uh, yeah. I like that one, and then the one that, the one with the draconians, where the ogrons look like draconians, and the draconians look like ogrons. Oh, yeah, that, that's not one of my favorites, but I love the draconians. Yeah, it's such a great, such a great design, the draconians. Um, Baker... I'm going. I got to go more than one, so I'm going to go um, the seeds of the seeds of doom. Damn, good one. Where he turns into Starsky and Hutch in in that story. Um, Ark in space. Uh, Genesis of the Daleks. I'd say th- those are those are the tops. Um, Nobody it, ever says Warriors Gate. I still don't know what that show's about. I still don't. <laughs> yeah, know. I know. And I, you know what? I've given up. I, I still can't up. figure it out. Davison would probably say um, um, resurrection of the Daleks because really only because I feel like that's when he he finally that last season is when he finally kind of got served better with 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 scripts. I mean, that that 20. I just find that one a bit of a dog's breakfast. Yeah, that 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 will pick something out of. 83 like pick something out of the 20th anniversary season that that holds up like modern five doctors you know uh the five doctors but i mean all the 83 stuff is like let's do something for the anniversary who should we bring back well how about the black guardian and you know like what this this is who you're bringing back for an an omega but let's put a a bong on his head instead of what he was wearing and have him uh, be served with a chicken right um Colin Baker, it's got to be um, 
what's the one? Uh, Rebel. What's the one with uh, Alexi Sale in it? In the in the in the Revelation morgue? of the Daleks. It's got to be that one because it's just completely batshit insane. It is yeah. the most. Well, you know what? I, I also want to make a point that that era also there was an ugliness going on in Britain at the time. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, like look at Spitting Image. It was really ugly satire. Yes. And uh, you know, you got you got like England was in a bad place, and I found that Doctor Who kind of got into that bad place. But I think what and, Doctor Who was doing, I think you had people like Eric Soward and some of these guys that were going, you're doing it wrong. Like they're coming out of a world where they're looking at the darkness in the Hinchcliffe era and going, that's what we need more of. Let's, let's, you know, the Kinda and Black Orchid, like this is what you're doing with your, this character, you know? And so when they sort of got a hold of it at times, they, they, they almost went too far, like, you know, everybody after the killing joke. Like, you know, you know, Alan Moore and Frank Miller have a lot to answer for because it started a trend of like, let's go dark and rainy. Grim and gritty you know? was the words we used. Grim and gritty. So the the Dalek one with Davison worked so well and was such a fan favorite and everything that, you know, but I mean, Colin Baker's got, you know, the wackiness with the Ronnie and the twin dilemma. And but then you get to the Cyberman one and it's like it's bloody and violent. People are shooting each other in the face and stuff. Um, they kept turning it up. And I think the, the Dalek one is where it, it is about as far as they could possibly take it. Yeah. Like I, I viewed the two doctors as an abomination. Like oh, it is, yeah. it is doctor who, uh, where it shouldn't go. Yeah. You know? And that's Robert Holmes too. Yeah. Robert. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think he was well, but, um, yeah, it's it's a terrible episode. Like it is really like I remember like a friend of mine showed it to me and I was just like, I don't need to see anymore. Like this is bad. Yeah. And the, the 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 what were they called? The Andrugums? Oh, God. Yeah. They were called Andrugum, which was which was a um, palindrome of, of, of Gourmand. Is that what it was or something? Saying it backwards. I don't care. And all they did was eat people and eat things. And you're like really we're going there with with this yeah so, we're doing this like weird satire and now the doctor's been turned into one what are we watching the super friends but colin baker uh, really i got nothing against him he's a very nice man no i i actually he's, you know, he's i very, used to stick all the blame on him but he and is that's he, naive. they they did not make it easy because he's so unlikable in so much of that season in the way he talks to perry it's it's right back to hartnell it's that why are you snapping at her all the time? You know, everything. Yeah, and like, you're why being you like, wanna... you're just like, shut up, dude, you know? Yeah, like, why would you want to keep traveling with this guy? Like, it's it's ridiculous. Mm. Um, and Sylvester McCoy, I mean, probably the probably the Dalek one, I find a lot of them just kind of hard to... Really? Hard to... Well, See, I, I actually was, I was actually brought back in with McCoy. No, no, but not not him. But, you know, like the one with the um, the one, uh, the Fenric one is good. And the one um, what's another one that's, you know, the one in the what's the ghost one? Just because it's so insane. I don't know what the hell. Ghost Light, I still don't. That's another Warriors no. gate for me. I was like, what am what I watching? What is going on in that story? Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree with that one. <laughs> but that's when he's starting to kind of get mysterious again. That's when it's sort of you can tell yeah. trying to make it a, a mysterious uh, character. 
Um, and I like Paul McGann. I thought he was great. And I think he, he might be getting a spinoff. What's your favorite Paul own? McGann episode? <laughs> favorite Paul McGann episode happens has to be when he regenerates out of Sylvester McCoy. That right. Episode. Yeah. No, I like Night of the Doctor, but, you know. And then uh, Eccleston, I'm going to go with the two parter. The um, uh, where, are you my mommy? Oh mama? yeah, the doctor dances and yeah. The doctor dances and I think Eccleston is at the that that's his 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 pinnacle. Although I do think his his final episode in the in the regeneration, the scene between he and Rose still has some oomph to it cuz Eccleston is just there. Um David Tennant I'm going to say The Day of the Doctor even though that's a special. I really like David Tennant and I, I like I really love Day of the Doctor too. <laughs> I think Day of the Doctor is wonderful. Just yeah, me too. And it's gonna, it's gonna be hard to top. Yeah, I mean, I might even throw Smith in there too as their best because because they 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 work so well together. Their rhythm is so great, and then you throw in John Hurt, and it's like it's everything that's great about this show. Yeah, no, they definitely got that Three Doctors vibe, that energy. Yeah, and yeah, and that was weird because John Hurt. We we all he was not a property we were aware of, right? But it, it worked, and in fact, yeah. it, it worked really well because of his age. Yes, and it and that was the beauty of the the one they did with with uh, Eccles. I mean, sorry, with um, McGann when they do the they just they do the little snippet of the regeneration, and we see the reflection of young John Hurt. Yeah, and the, then you go, oh my God, that's brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. So he's been at this a while, <laughs> whatever, for him to age. And then and then, you know, insinuating that he can age. He's going to be at this for a long time and he's going to age throughout. It's going to wear him down. It's going to wear his body down. So he's ready to go by the time that story hits. I mean, that was very well uh, retconned, if you will. Mm-hmm. And Capaldi, I'd say. Um, I think the heaven sent one is is terrific. Um, yeah, it's very, very good. But maybe the one where they go to heaven and he meets Missy. And, you know, I loved his skepticism throughout his whenever he'd meet someone, they'd say, oh, this is who I am and this is where I'm from. The immediate skepticism of, uh-huh, OK, keep talking. Yeah. And he was always looking for the the sort of chink in the armor that he was going to. Yeah, get. like, I mean, whether whether or not you like that error or not, the one thing was the doctor. <laughs> you didn't know what the doctor was going to do. Yeah, in that era, and I, I think that's what I found charming. Yeah, he had some stink burgers, man. I mean, the janitor one is especially like, oh, that could just never be seen again. But um, like the one, um, the Christmas one with the face huggers. Oh yeah, that that's a high point. That is that is unbelievably good, mm-hmm. and he's so in control throughout that entire story. And it gets spookier as it goes, and like, okay, well, what is it you do here? Oh, it's a long story. They all so say what, the same thing. And, like, did you like the guitar stuff, though? I did not. Now, yeah. I don't know if that was his idea, because he is a singer and guitarist and, you know, was in a band or whatever, or if Moffat said, well, let's get the guitar out kind of thing. I think it did start to go wrong when it became the sunglasses and I'm a rock star kind of thing. And, you know, um, you know, I mean, even the one where he goes blind. Like, that's a really good story, and there's really good stuff in it. But, um, you know, I don't know. I just – I could never figure the guitar thing out and the – why why we were we were going there. I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. 
Yeah, I, you know. It was better than playing the spoons. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yes. And maybe that's why we are who we are. We've right. seen worse. <laughs> and, 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 um, We've seen eras where we just don't jive with it and we yeah. move on. And I mean, there were um, a couple of Whitaker ones. I can't remember which ones where conceptually I'd go, oh, that's a cool idea. Like, oh, I wonder, this, you know, it did have a couple of things. I don't remember them. Yeah, they, uh, they wanted to go back to historical stuff. And they did do one that I thought was interesting. And, and that was the separation of India and Pakistan. And it's sort of like, well, we haven't done this kind of thing in a while, and right. this will be probably more accurate <laughs> and actually feature, you know, actors that aren't just English people. <laughs> you know? Right. Wearing brown uh, face paints. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Change to where, like, you know, I, I think I was watching, um, oh, yeah, I was watching Pyramids of Mars, which, freaking classic. Oh, it's another one. I forgot yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the and I know it's on a budget, but the 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 tomb raiding scene is is pretty hilarious. It is. Yeah, it is. But, you know, you got to go. If you were sitting in a little den in England in 1975 or 70. Oh, yeah. On, on a small television. Yeah. Yeah was about the size of a baseball mitt. I just think it's funny that, you know, they stuck fezes on what looks like two, like, East Indian guys. Yeah. And they run <laughs> off screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. But that, the that, design that'll of that. That'll do television. You know, Sutek, uh, the guy, the voice, the putting the hands on the shoulders and the smoke. You know, that's the thing. They care. That was scary as hell. They had no money. They had yeah. no time and yet there are these things that happen in the classic show that you go this was really thought out like this was you really went the extra mile well i mean especially in pyramids of mars where they go to the they go to 1980 and it's gone right and it's like that's the stakes are super duper high now and you you, you for me that story you do see a, a side of the doctor and of baker that is colder than we've really seen in a long time. Like Pertwee never really got cold. He was always worried about humanity and always cared about one dead body, you know. But Baker was kind of like, you know, Sarah Jane was kind of aghast at his, like, the guy's dead. We got to move on. Like, he's going to, you know, like, there's a bigger thing going on here. Like, he's sort of flippant about. Mm. What he yeah, got. he does that in that episode, too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, ooh, this is. Uh, this and I kidding. think I thought Capaldi was kind of like chant. I think in the first season of Capaldi that they were told just to write for Baker. Yes. And the, the, the one on the ice in England when they're going to the ice ice circus or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And somebody dies and she's just beside herself. She's never. I mean, this is a horrible thing. And he's going. Yeah, I know he's gone. It happened. You know. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm four thousand years old. I don't have time to. Now, do you want to find out? why this is happening and stop someone else from dying or do you want to stand here and talk about it? like he there was you know yeah, yeah. i think there was one where the guy gets like blown up and i think it's in the into the dalek episode yes and he's yes. just like yeah well he's all around us he's floating like let's but let's he move on him. he goes he goes you know you know do this 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 and the guy's like okay is that going to help before he knows he's going to die and then someone's like you you lied to him. You told him to go over and do that. But he was he's like, yeah, yeah, I did. There was no saving him. 
he was going to die. I couldn't, you know, so it was better to have him, you know, move further away or whatever I told him to do. So nobody else died, but he's just very like, okay, on to the next thing. Yeah. And there's a, 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 you know, a cold logic to, to what he did. Uh, Whitaker, I couldn't pick a, a favorite. Um, I'm very excited to see David Tennant come back. He's very likable and lovable, but I'm really excited to see what Shuti Gatwa does with the part, because I think he's wonderful. Um, I, I, we haven't seen him really doing anything as the doctor. We see one little clip, but if he's half as good as he's been in other things I've, I've seen him in. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's the thing I wanted to point out was my wife started watching sex education and mm. I would walk in and out of the room and he'd be on screen and, uh, yeah, he, he's got it, man. Um, oh, he, he's the best thing in that show. I think. Yeah, but I mean, like, when you want someone to play the doctor, you want somebody you can't really take your eyes off of, you know. Right. And um, I think, I think, even if they, like, I don't know what their mindset was, if they 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 were hard pressed to find, you know, a, a person of color to play the doctor or not. I don't know their mindset. But I think they found a really good actor. Like, a, like the, the this is a good candidate for the doctor. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I, I don't. I, I actually just kind of look at him and go like, yeah, I'd, I'd watch this dude play the doctor. Yeah. Um, and that's exciting to me. I mean, I still um, say hmm? they screwed up by not getting Richard Ayoade at some point because he has no interest. Apparently. I know. I'm just saying he's been my pick and I think he would be marvelous and we could finally see him act and not, not be Richard Ayoade. You know who I, I wanted badly was the actor who plays, uh, Clem Fandango, Shazad Latif. Um, that probably oh, the guy who plays Clem Fandango. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because he was on the last season of Penny Dreadful. Yes. As Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. And he was in um, um, Star Trek Discovery. Is that the one with? Oh, I don't watch that. Yeah. Uh, he, he was in that, too. He showed up in that, too. He's great. He's yeah. Great. So I would have. Um, Especially if he dressed like Clem Fandango. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm not sure about that one. Uh, but, just disclose. With your well, well, one facial hair and your sister's clothes. <laughs> He'd be in an ice you bucket. The fuck up. Isn't there an episode where he's just in an ice bucket? <laughs> it gets stupider so, as it goes along, but I, I think he's actually. Um, yeah, he's great. He's great, and he has a, um, I don't know, uh, an energy about him that would make an interesting doctor. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, sure. and seeing him and Penny Dreadful with long hair and he's kind of a he's kind of dressed old timey. You're like, oh, yeah. And, you know, like just like every actor who plays Willy Wonka, you can go, oh, yeah, they could put a TARDIS in there. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's a good that's a good pick. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. And um, I'm worried as well about many things. But just just give us some good writing. And even with bad writing. Um, I think it's in good hands with the actor they've they've chosen. Yeah, uh, I think this is going to be fun. Um, and, you know, I think <laughs> somebody joked recently is like, yeah, and, and we'll he'll be announcing his leaving the show as we see the first episode, because, like, he's kind of blowing up. 
And we haven't seen an episode of Doctor Who with him in it. He's blowing up. What's funny is that he's best known for for the sex show. Uh, yeah, but he was in like the Barbie movie. But he's in the Barbie movie. He literally has two lines. Yeah. You, you, you see him a few times, but like I thought he was going to have a much bigger, bigger role in that movie. And then there was something else I just saw a trailer for that he's in. It might be a oh, it's a the World War Two thing um, from the people that did Band of Brothers There's a new World War Two thing coming on um, oh. about fighter pilots or something on uh, Apple Plus or something. So he's in that. So he's not overexposed yet, um, which is which is good. But I think this will just he'll just blow up from this, basically. Yeah, and, I uh, and I think it might be deserved. Oh, yeah, it's just totally deserved for him. I just hope that it remembers why the show is so special and yeah, we to go with it. And let's not make it in a very special episode of Punky Brewster. You know, that's never what the show was. And I think if it, it veers was more too, of a night night court was about that. Yeah, if it veers too far that way, you're losing the mojo. You're You're forgetting why this thing was so, you know, it was it's weird to think in the classic show. There wasn't a lot of emotion. The goodbye to Sarah Jane, you know, is about as close as <laughs> got. You know, it was just kind of. Well, wait a minute. He uh, he did. Uh, he seemed kind of mad about or sad about Leela. He did. He did seem. He's like, you know, goodbye, my noble savage or whatever it was. But that's about all the time that we spent on those things. You know, we I mean, it was emotional to say goodbye to the granddaughter and uh, the thought. It never of came ha- back. What happened to Jamie and. Zoe was heartbreaking when you see that clip of them. They've totally forgotten all the adventures they've had. I mean, that is heartbreaking. It's terrible to think that. You know, what's even more heartbreaking is uh, in the five doctors, Zoe's wearing bubble wrap. She is. Clearly, they're wearing a dress made of bubble wrap. It was a last minute phone call. They spent all their (laughs) money on the lemon rind that Herndl eats. Or is it pineapple? Is he eating pineapple in front of the camera? He like. There's a little bit of food on the TARDIS. Somebody goes and gets food. And then there's this shot where the camera pushes in and Richard Herndl, like, picks a piece I, of I know Tegan, Tegan comes out with these, like, you keep the glass tropical drinks your parents would get loaded <laughs> at Benihana with at one yeah. point. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. He takes the pineapple out of the drink, I think. Yeah, and, and it's like, well, Jesus, you know, have you ever heard of lemonade, Tegan? He's got these fingerless gloves, and he's like, he's monster. did a good job, though. He did a good job. He did a very good job. And um, uh, what's his butt from Harry Potter as Hartnell in those? He was terrific in those. Yeah. And the 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 Mark Gatiss uh, TV movie about the creation of the. That's that's a that's a really good show. I'm gonna rewatch that. that. Yeah. Seen that in a long time. I'm gonna rewatch that. I had that on my like my dvr for like 10 years yeah that's a that's a wonderful um that's a wonderful piece i'm gonna i'm gonna rewatch that um so yeah so there you go 60 years of 60 years of doctor who what would you like to see um in the next season what would would be your favorite thing you could see in the next season of doctor and you know we know that a lot of you like doctor who and you you watch the show so maybe throw up some of your favorite stories or doctors or mm-hmm. you know any kind of memories and um you know we can all share in a community that may exist one day on something called the internet computers that's what my nephew is taking at school yeah 
So there you go. Um, next time, uh, it was going to be, it was a toss up between the Kennedy assassination 60th anniversary or Doctor Who. And luckily I won and said, let's do Doctor Who. Well, you know what? I know a lot about the Kennedy assassination, but not as much about Doctor Who. Oh, I know. So, I know. yeah. You've got yeah. new theories to, that you wanted to. But I thought, yeah. let's do Doctor Who first. I was playing with my Lincoln Logs at the Kennedy Center. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. There you go. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday to Doctor Who. One of the greatest. Happy birthday, Doctor Who. Don't disappoint us or we'll kill you. Or we'll never watch you again like we haven't so many other times. Yeah, actually, the, yeah, that we're pretty much boomerangs by this point. I still say greatest, greatest concept in TV history and um, take the good, you take the bad. Take them all. And there you have Doctor. You know, that, that, that's what I escaped watching to uh, do this podcast. So that, yes, that's I'm very sure. fitting. I'm yeah. sure. That and reruns. It's the episode the, where they were cruising. The reruns it was of the, painful. The, the Torkelsons. That's another favorite I know from way back. So I, I no, I don't know what is the. Glad I could help. What is the Torkelsons? Just some shitty family sitcom thing that they tried getting off the ground once on ABC, I think. Wow. Um. Wow. Thanks everybody. Happy anniversary, Doctor Who. Um. Happy holiday for those of you that celebrate it, and um. We'll talk soon. Yeah. Would you care for a jelly baby? Love one. Mm. I don't have any. I was hoping you had some. Oh. My bad. Also, I don't know how I would get them to you if you did. Um, Okay. Uh, Well, that's great. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.